Hello and welcome to Deep Thoughts, Shallow Plots. She's Erica and she really likes horror movies. <laughs> and she's Katie and she really likes to overanalyze things. Katie, what horror movie are we overanalyzing today? Today we are ending our summer series with I Know What You Did Last Summer. Right, uh, 1997, Ooh. directed by Jim Gillespie, written by Kevin Williamson, who's also the writer of Scream and Scream 2, worth oh. noting. Um, uh, I think before we get mm-hmm. too far into it, we just have a quick programming announcement. Right, since it is the end of the summer. Yes, yeah. and we are getting into the school year, which is when we are people who work during <sighs> Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. (laughs) We are going to switch to uh, releasing episodes just once a month Mm -hmm. instead of twice. Yeah. For the time being. We, yeah, we got like a lot going on. I have to work, whatever. Uh, (laughs) I have to work too. Yeah, Katie's got to work and write. Yeah. You have a, yeah, you've got a lot to do. And, and on top of, producing and editing this podcast yeah. so yeah uh which probably, we do not get paid for uh no <laughs> <laughs> but if anybody wants to pay us also, we will switch to twice a month no no again. no. we're straight up losing money on this <laughs> every time we 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 spend 3.99 on voodoo to watch yeah. the movie that we're covering yeah yeah uh, plus hosting the podcast because this is a labor of love yeah right and we want to keep it that way yes <laughs> don't i don't want this to be another thing i hate doing yes yes we don't want it to get stressful <laughs> yeah. so uh pairing back a little bit but. yeah just a little um and then you know what maybe next summer we'll ramp it yeah back up oh, we'll, yeah. See. we'll see who knows who knows the world's our oyster yeah um yeah but today we're gonna talk about i know what you did last summer uh i don't should we just like jump into it like oh uh, yeah let's see a quick plot rundown is basically just that a bunch of teens accidentally hit a guy with their car and then go to dump his body in the lake or river ocean ocean. yeah i don't know bodies of water yeah (laughs) um yeah yeah it is yeah they're all fishers and stuff um but the body was not actually dead and blah 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 who actually and then they get notes like who i know what you did last summer oh god ah and then a hook-headed man comes to kill them ah that's it that's the plot (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Oh, you forgot to, you know, a hook-handed man shows up and hilarity ensues. Right, yeah, that's that's the app. And I think most importantly, Sarah Michelle Gellar ensues. Star-studded cast, yes. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Jennifer Love Love Hewitt Hewitt ensues. Yes. Freddie Prince Jr. And Ryan Phillippe. Yeah. Like, I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's like I have complicated feelings about Ryan Phillippe, but... uh, Actually, like in my research for this, I actually I, I found quite a few stories of Ryan Phillippe's performance in this film actually being like part of like a first sexual awakening for a lot of like gay and bisexual men. Oh, and I was like, OK, OK, okay. I love that. Yeah. 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 Like a great cast, really. Mm-hmm. And these four people give us pretty interesting characters, I think. Yeah. You know, I think they're deeper than we get in a lot of horror films. Right. Yeah. Which is nice because, you know, I think we're going to talk at length about the slasherness of this film. But like, Mm -hmm. that's also something you can not get in a slasher film. Often. Right. I think like Evil Dead. Yeah. There's like no character development. Yeah. Like there's no characters, you know, and Mm -hmm. but like it's still like a good movie and like the franchise is good. Also, Evil Dead Rise is fantastic. Like (laughs) they do actually give character development. I'm just like talking about the first one. Um, Yeah. So like we actually get pretty interesting 
pretty well fleshed out characters mm-hmm. for a 90s teen slasher yeah. which is you know nice in in the vein of scream which right, yeah. maybe has something to do with the fact that they were written by the same person right yeah uh, yeah and they also then also have that same sort of quippiness to the teens right you know yeah. they have that cadence of like this is how teens talk um oh boy who do you want to talk about first let's talk about barry first let's talk about it's Ryan funny Toby. that you mention that gay men really had an awakening uh because the whole time I was watching it I was thinking of you know that Barbara Kruger piece that's like you construct intricate rituals which allow you to touch the skin of other men I think only through you. Okay, yes. yeah. It's yeah. a great piece. It's a great piece. But yeah. I thought about it the whole time because uh-huh. literally every second he's like, let's see, can I get my hands on Max by like pretending <gasps> oh to my fight God. him? He wants his hands on everybody. Yeah. However, it is for violence. It is for violence. Is that part of the piece? Is yeah, violence yeah. Because it's yeah. the con- construct intricate rituals. Right, yeah. So it's things like, you know, how sports. guys will do sports. Yeah. It's, you know, it's all that homosocial yeah. stuff, homosocial stuff of like, yeah, sports, violence, yeah. whatever you can do to touch the skin of other men because you can't do it in a loving way. So you're going to do it in this violent way. Do it way. in a violent way. Like he does it to but he does it, Ray too. Of like, he does it to Ray like his friend. And he does and it like, to Max. Yeah. However, he does, and he, what is also good is that he does not do that to Helen, which yeah. is good because Helen's his girlfriend, but he does assault Julie. Did you yeah. did you notice that? Like oh, I'm he, to remember. he chokes her, or when? rather, puts his hand on her throat. Oh, what part? So, Why don't I remember that? Right when they're like they've dumped the body in the oh, Atlantic Ocean, yeah, yeah. and he's like, "We're never talking about this again." Yeah, but, you and know, she's and, the only one who's like still kind of who's kind of like mimima, and he's like, "You have to say it," you know, and like like yeah. a. a it kind of attacks her and like yeah. puts his hand on her throat. And she also, Julie seems like nonplussed. Yeah. She's like bored by it. She's like, Oh, this fucking guy. You he's know, always like, finding excuse's to fight with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think he's just very touch starved. That's my interpretation mm. of him. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, also he, he's like, he's just incredibly materialistic. Like his main concern for, you know, Oh, yeah. Before the incident occurs, like, is his car. Right. He doesn't, like, want anybody else driving his car. Yeah. You know, he's like, you know, um, he's When they think it's just car. an animal, he's more concerned about the damage he's, to his car. Yes, he's worried about the damage to his car. Right. He's also, what I like about Barry and Helen's relationship is that, like, they're both pretty materialistic. And, like, there there is a part where because the, the fishermen or whoever they put in the ocean... Is it so? Who do they put in the ocean? They, they is it do. Ben Willis? Yeah, it is Ben okay. Willis. So Ben Willis grabs her crown that she just yeah. won, and she's fucking obsessed with her crown, right? Yeah. Um, and so Ryan Phillippe, fully clothed, he could have like t- he was wearing a sweater. He could have taken it off. Yeah. Uh, Barry jumps into the ocean mm-hmm. to go get her crown back. Well, my interpretation of that yeah. was that that's incriminating evidence. Fair. If they find that body with a crown in its hand and it's clearly but her do, crown from winning. Do you think that Barry is thinking that far ahead about incriminating evidence? I think Helen is. Helen would be. I, yeah. Actually, no, I do think Barry is. He's really okay. concerned about how this is all going to look. He knows about appearances. This is true. Right. Yeah. You know, but like, and I be- don't think he's dumb. Uh, they are thinking steps ahead. They are thinking, yeah, whose life will this ruin? You know, and they're also like pointing out that it's going to ruin Ray's life, especially because he doesn't have the fancy lawyers. Well, like, like, they are thinking steps well, ahead. Well, Ray points that out. Yeah. The other ones but I just care. feel like they all are yeah. thinking also, about the consequences I of this. I feel like Barry is absolutely the high, has the highest socioeconomic status. He seems, yeah, he yeah, has a lawyer's house. supposed to be rich. Um, and like, yeah, Ray does mention that he's like of the lowest, of, you know, yeah. socioeconomically. The fisherman class. The fisherman class, right? Which is probably a majority. Yeah. Just saying. 
but like and then we kind of see how julian helen live you Mm -hmm. know but like to me it doesn't scream upper class like it it like says comfortably middle class but it doesn't say like very rich it's still yeah well i feel like especially with helen i'm thinking with helen because her family is clearly like important business owners that that allows a certain amount even if you don't have as much money as others you have a certain influence in town right yeah and it's it's an entire department store yeah yeah so maybe they have and they do have a nice house and yeah we you don't know, know as much about Jules. They have an upstairs, which when I was a child, like, was the symbol to me of, like, oh. fa- of fanciness. If you had a, a refrigerator that could, like, you could get water from. Oh, yeah. That, that is was still like, fancy. oh, my gosh, this is so fancy. And now I have fun. one and I love it. I was, I was right the whole time. I was like, this is amazing. And if your house had a staircase in it, like, oh. there was more than one story to your house, like... Yeah. You were fancy to me. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, yeah, Helen. And also, like, honestly, I feel since she's, like, a pageant queen, right, mm-hmm. that hobby isn't oh, really yeah. a cheap one. No. So, like, God, no. somebody has to be, yeah. like, vested, in, invested yeah. in that. So, Though it does seem okay. like she's sort of, like, a local pageant queen. And it doesn't seem like she's going off to other pageants, but Exactly, still. yeah. She's just doing a fun one, like, you know, graduated from high school a couple yeah. weeks ago. Also moving just, to New York in a month. And yeah. I was going to say, also the fact that one. her... And Barry and it th- sounds like Julie, they all have like a lots of like pretty flashy prospects for their futures, which really also yeah. implies a higher class. Yeah. You know, that's just true. the fact that they're going to college in also, the 90s I, is like, yeah, I want to mention that about Barry because like he's supposed to be on a football scholarship. Yeah. Barry does not play football. Like I'm so, oh, like, yeah. I mean, we get to see Ryan Philippi with like very few clothes on. Yeah. Right. And like he's very fit. Right, mm-hmm. you know, and that's great. But I was like, that's but not a body that plays football. Yeah. That's a, maybe plays basketball mm-hmm. or baseball, soccer. maybe even soccer. But like, that's I not a like body he, that plays football, dude. He could you be know? the kicker, but maybe, yeah, maybe. And also, those are important. I don't know how qualified I am. Either of us are to talk about <laughs> what a football body looks like. Yeah, I guess, yeah. but like, I'm just not buying it yeah. that Barry plays football. Well, not I think though, also except for the violence <laughs> i was gonna say though like he's gotten a few concussions our yeah. expectations for body types on screen mm. have changed a lot since the 90s this is true right yeah you wouldn't see that kind of build on tv on movies and stuff That's in true. the 90s the Certainly way that you would do not now. in like a serious lead yeah role yeah yeah and he's or, still supposed to be a high schooler so or it's even like, like a romantic interest yeah you know yeah, yeah like yeah yeah um, really good point, but I'm just not buying it. Sorry. Yeah. Um, going back to them having like deeper characters, I still feel yes. like a lot of that character is kind of more hinted at than actually developed because like, why does yeah. he have those dog tags? Why does he have we those dog tags? We get kind of like a good view of them and it's like... I was uh, under the impression that that was kind of a fad in, in like young oh, men's fashion at the time. Okay. Like it was a thing. It's just like a fashion thing? Tags. Okay. In my head his dad's a vet yeah i was gonna be like yeah maybe as a family that member is, who was like killed in action nothing exactly yeah. other than he has dog tags yeah or maybe his grandpa even yeah you know yeah uh but i feel like that's yeah. kind of typical of a lot of the characters where we have a little bit of set dressing that makes them feel a little bit deeper than right. you would get in a nor- normal horror film yeah but then you're still kind of like but wait what <laughs> yeah. all i really else have to say about barry right now is like his obvious anger issues yeah <laughs> you yeah. know and you know like any excuse to touch mm-hmm Men, but anybody. Yeah. But he also, like, you know, he's very quick to, like, physically, you know, get close to people physically, like, as uh, a way of being, like, being aggressive that way, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But he also just like yells immediately, you mm-hmm. know, like he's like super quick to just be like, fuck you. I'm going to yeah. kill you. And it's just like, whoa, whoa, bring it back. Yeah. It's like you're at a 10. Everybody else is out of three. Yeah. Like we need to match this energy. Yeah. You know? So it's not just the physicality of the violence. Like there's other violence, yeah. you know, I think giving him depth and backstory that isn't actually there. He does have a little bit of that trope of like the poor little rich boy where there's something about him that feels very like isolated Hmm. you know like when we do see him at his house it's like this huge house and he is there alone you know his mom is weirdly in the background oh for like a hot second yeah but But that seems very isolated like that's not a relationship as i was watching this movie i it was like oh this is another there are no adults movie yeah oh for sure like sleepaway camp there's a lot of movies classic of slashers Yeah, yeah yeah so um but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they kind of are going for that vibe of the poor little rich boy who's like, he's got all this wealth, but he doesn't have love. Right. And I, I think that that's something that happens to at all of them by the time like the incident occurs yeah. and they come back out a year later. Yeah, they all seem very isolated. They're all, yeah, really lonely and really isolated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess maybe Barry just like got a head start. Yeah. I don't know. I think on that subject, if we're ready to move on to Ray... I do think he's interesting in that sense because he's the one who starts a relationship with the sister of the guy that they think they killed. But like, it's it's hard because like all that we get, the only dialogue we get is we were sweet on each other for a little. Yeah. And, and then, then that, it had to stop. And because like, he got sweet sad. on each other. Like, did you flirt? Did you like, were you guys just like... I don't, yeah. Did she just like feel those butterflies when she was around him? And like, I mean, it was extensive enough or, that yeah. she knew that he had to end things because like he just would get sad when he looked at her. Oh, okay. You know, so like there was enough of a relationship for that to happen for them to talk about David to some extent because she was under the impression that they were like friends or something. So like they definitely at least had some sort of relationship, even if it huh. wasn't. Well, I mean, you know, you know, physically consummated or something. He and Julie broke up, so like, yeah, yeah, he's single. I just think that's um, such an interesting way to handle the situation. <laughs> it's yeah, it's again, it seems sort of masochistic. Yeah, it's like, is that maybe like some way Ray is like trying to punish himself? Right, like the way that so much of this movie is about like punishment. Yeah, that like he's just like doing it. To himself, because like, he don't looks at worry, her, fisherman. I got it. Like, yeah, you don't need. I'm to, gonna yeah. hurt myself by meshing myself in the family of the <laughs> person that I killed. You know, especially since he was the one who was driving. He was the one who was driving. However, uh, Barry was offering many distractions. Barry, yeah, I have a yeah. It was kind of his fault. But. I think yeah, yeah. So Ray, yeah, like I feel like the main thing for him is like he's he's not as rich as yeah. everybody else. You know. Yeah. What's the thing? Barry accuses him of when they when they start fighting because he's, he's like accusing him of being the murderer and he's like you're always dogging us always wanting to be our friend but oh, you were yeah. too jealous to handle it something like that yeah, yeah. he t- says that he was too jealous and obviously it's like a class thing and a wealth thing right. because he's the one who's not popular but I on a rewatch Ray mentions wanting like to go to New York as well oh does he yeah and to do what I, he never says that's what I mean about almost having right. character depth so, no, but not quite to Ju- but he says it to Julie yeah actually I don't know if they exactly say but they do kind of give the information because he says it to Julie when they're on the beach at the mm-hmm. very beginning before the accident yeah. where they have sex by the way like oh yeah they're, they're supposed to have sex which yeah, is yeah both both couples are having sex well, yeah they are but actually it does seem like Julie and Ray are like not as sexually active like they're like that was maybe like one of their first times oh did you get that vibe i did because oh. ray's like are you sure or like uh, are you 
yeah, says something like that. I you thought know? that was maybe just because they were on a fucking beach. I know, right? Sex. My God. <laughs> like the sand, though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, they don't have blankets. They don't have just like... They were just telling a scary story <laughs> about people idea. getting killed for necking. I know. <laughs> um, so that sets up the fact that there's no virgin in right, this yeah. movie, which is... I probably going to be important later i don't know um so none of them are virgins um but yeah he he says to her i don't know maybe go to new york or something and because he doesn't want their relationship to end so he's just like don't go to boston even though like she seems very uh, julie's like seems very smart academically inclined yeah, yeah excited, she's got shit to do very excited about this new part of her yeah. life which she absolutely should go do you know yeah and then she was like you know you can go to New York. He's mentioned something about New York. And she's like, oh, you'll go to New York and you'll fall in love oh, with right. some like shaved head, pierced nose philosophy student. Yeah. Something like that. And he, he's basically like, no, I won't. You know, he has that thing about he's he's like high school sweethearts tend to oh, you yeah. know, statistically are likely to end up together. No. And she's like, cite your sources. She does. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm source. like, girl, I love you. Yeah. Yes. Make that man cite his sources because yeah. that is not the truth. That is not true. Yeah, so it's just like, why didn't he go to New York? Like, why yeah. didn't he and Helen go? Well, like, I who mean, cares? Like, a, I mean, I mean, Helen does end up going to New York for a little bit. She what if they back. went together though? Well, like, but I don't think they wanted to see each other anymore. They wanted to be different. Also, people I'm not now clear that, if they're actually friends. I mean, right, I know that it, they are. By it, definitely feels like the friendship here is Julie and Helen. Yeah, and then their boyfriends are just kind of satellites. Yeah, and, like the four of them are like a social circle, but yeah. without. The Helen Julie relationship, like at all, I don't think it apart. would. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is actually what happens. It is, yeah. Helen and Julie like stop and talking when, to each other. Yeah, yeah, and then when they come back, they're the first to reinitiate conversation with each other. They're the first to talk to That's each true. other again. Yeah. Julie and, does go try yeah. to find, and Helen, Helen actually yeah. looks kind of happy to see Julie for a moment before she sort of remembers Remember the horrors, yeah. the horrors, <laughs> and then like, but like when it comes to seeing the guys, they're like. No, nah, I don't want anything to do with you. It like yeah. hurts me to be around you, mm. which is interesting yeah. that they're like they have an easier time with each other. Yeah, because yeah, I think they had a deeper friendship. Yeah, probably even deeper than they had with romantic relationships with their boyfriends. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a high school relationship, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that's yeah, absolutely. Whereas high um, school friendships will fuck you up for life. <laughs> yeah. Um, and actually, on that subject of their friendship, I just need to point out the very small gay things oh okay hey so just so you know there is in the sequel not that you need to like rush to see it um, <laughs> but there is some lesbian subtext between ooh. brandy and, and ooh brandy and jennifer, love, jennifer, jennifer love, love you, you. thank you nice that's great, great. anyway well, i think julie and helen have some like the first thing that we get is helen you know doing her beauty queen thing uh -huh. and julie is just like beaming like oh she was made for this <laughs> just like like she's clearly the center one uh -huh. with the two guys next to her oh, where it's like right, she yeah. is there for her girl oh, uh -huh. and they're also there yeah, yeah yeah and like maybe she also like gave her some of the lines to say for the beauty oh, pageant yeah, thing right, yeah. so it's like a very beauty in the brains thing yeah <laughs> you know but no my main thing actually is that helen has this line where she's like what happened to us we used to be friends, friends yeah. and julie says we used to be a lot of things oh! <laughs> and i know she didn't mean it in a she gay way mean that, yeah but then, but boy, and then I wanted what does helen say right after that oh i don't know she she just says like i miss you oh yeah and then and then what does julie say hmm. nothing ah! nothing the scene and like she's like Julie yeah. says nothing and the scene ends. I'm like, oh, rude. High school okay. girl friendships, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, Helen, funny that you mentioned that because Helen says 
quite a few interesting things. When Julie and Helen like go visit Missy, I think the first time, and they're mm-hmm. like debriefing in the car together. And Julie, I, I remember exactly what Julie says, but Helen says, I don't think we're that powerful. Oh. Which was just a really interesting line. Like, because I think what Julie was mention- like talking about was just like, our actions have created the spiral that have oh, impacted yeah. oh, many lives. Yes. Right. And like, it's like this family has been ruined because of because us. Because of what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Helen's like, I don't think we're that powerful. And I was yeah. like, huh. She's kind of right. And also like, yeah, you're just some 18 year old lady. She's like, they you don't... all literally just graduated from high school. Yeah. Okay. You aren't that powerful in any way. But they also like, they are like their they actions also... did do that to an extent. To an extent, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, yeah, actually, not really, was, because... There was already, like, some trauma. Right. There was already the trauma before. there. And David Egan was already killed at the point. Because Ben Willis kills David Egan before uh-huh. they, these teens even get involved. So that this family was going to be destroyed it's, no matter what. That's true. And then also, like, what does it... Well, because at that point, they didn't know that they didn't kill yeah. Egan. They thought, yeah, that's, they, thought. they thought that's who they killed. Yeah. Um, so I could see Which that. Which is a pretty good twist. Yeah, it was a good twist. I was thinking about your lit corner on twist endings. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was like, like, oh, red herring. (laughs) Oh, this movie has many red herrings. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that was like a really interesting line written for like an 18 year old girl. I I think she's a, yeah. I think when it comes to characters having depth, she kind of actually stands out to me more than the other characters. And perhaps part of that is just because I think Sarah Michelle Gellar is a really good actor. Yeah. And she's also doing the best job in this movie. Yeah. Like I don't get me wrong, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. and Ryan Phillippe, you know what? They're great, but like, they're not giving it in this yeah. movie. As Sarah Michelle Gellar gives, especially Freddie Prince Jr. Cause yeah. it's like his first movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But no, Sarah, she's, she always gives. Yeah. I, I mean, I keep my, like the scene that really stays with me is the one where she's just like sad alone in her house drinking like a depression diet Coke. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> means, oh, oh my God. Oh wait, and she's not even alone actually. I think her no, dad's there. her but. dad's there who's like sitting watching sports and like drinking what we're probably supposed to believe is scotch or something. Yeah. And like she says, hi daddy. And he doesn't yeah. say and he doesn't even look at her. Yeah. Oh my God. There's and, so much in that. And mom's nowhere. Yeah. And, and then her sister, they have a really intact. What relationship is up with her sister Elsa I think Elsa yeah. yeah like what but it seems so like one-sided like Elsa is picking on Helen yes. and anything Helen does is just like to retaliate against what's already happening I know. people's responses to Helen are so weird I was thinking about that also in terms of like when she starts freaking out because there's been a fucking murder and she saw a murder and they're all immediately like she's hysterical she's crazy and it's like based on what why would you assume that she's why would you not assume she's telling the truth has she lied a lot in the past like, why is she immediately assumed to be hysterical? Is it just because she's a teen girl? I think, yeah, it's just because she's a teen girl. Yeah. Because, like, and what the also, fuck? like, she is freaking the fuck out. You Which, know? like, you would if you saw somebody getting murdered. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I also noticed, again, on the second watch, that when Helen is, like, being escorted away, she's freaked out. And they're like, okay, let's get you out of here. And that yeah. cop's going to take her home, you know. Yeah. And before she leaves, they take her crown back. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like the crown storyline is like really interesting because like she gets it right at the beginning of the movie. She has it on like during this accident. And, yeah. Like, she's like not taking it thing. off. She won't. Take, she will not take it off. It's so dumb. Um, she loses it and like gets it back, you know. Yeah. And and then like she gets taunted with it. Right. And it's like she it gets taken away. And then like 10 minutes later, she dies. Yeah. You know, and it's like, wow. That you was know. all she was. 
that was just like, yeah, that was like the last thing. Like, she's finally lost everything now. Yeah. And, I mean, she did fight, you know, mm-hmm. but like she ends up dying. So, yeah, yeah that is interesting. Um, yeah, I feel like she's also somebody, especially after the incident, like she really shows like how sad everybody got, you know? Yeah. Like, I also am a little bit like also not buying the New York thing because she wasn't even there for a year. So, like, how long was she there when she's like, it wasn't working out? And I was like, girl, you weren't. You, she didn't try. You didn't try. You, yeah. Like, she only went probably because she already had it planned. So she just was going along with it. But, yeah. like, or, and then she didn't like that wasn't something she wanted to pursue anymore yeah. after, yeah, maybe after the accident. Yeah. And then just needed, you know, being an 18, 19 year old, just like needed to figure out what she wants to do. Yeah. Which is fair. And Um, I think what she wants to do after all of that was just sort of like to not exist in a sort of way of just like, I'm just going to have this dumb job at my parents department department store. store. I'm not going to be like a beauty queen anymore. Like, I'm just going to fade. And it's like such a difference to her. I don't know. Even when they're in that stressful situation, she's the only one who's like. Well, I'm going to put the body in the water if nobody else is going to fucking... Like, she's so... true. She has so much initiative. Yeah, she does. She has such big plans. She has so much, like, take charge attitude. And then, like, afterwards, it is not there anymore. Which may be why she doesn't get to be the final girl. Julie does. Mm. Um, Well, it's weird, right? Because, like, usually final girls do have, like, that initiative, you know? Yeah. Um, Well, and she does later, Julie. I think after the That's true. And honestly... She's the most gung-ho about solving this mystery. It happens more in the sequel mm. like i think julie really comes into her final girlness in the sequel but i think julie has to be the final girl in this one because she's the only one who like we can really say other than going along with the other kids didn't do anything because helen's the one who pushed him in the water which is actually what they think killed him right 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 yeah ray hit him with the car yes barry was the one being a big old distraction right julie yeah. has to be our final girl because she's the only one who didn't like very actively play I th- a role i think that as well yeah the um, she she was like the most innocent yeah you and know. she just also seems to be the one who actually feels bad about what they did the other ones are kind of a little bit in denial about it or yeah. they express it in other ways she's the only one who can be open about the fact that she thinks what they did was wrong yeah and like n- knows that they found the body and like who the body was you know she's definitely the most passionate about it like she's yeah. the one who like just like stands up looks up at the sky and screams what are you waiting for you know yeah. nobody else has yeah. a reaction like yeah. that <laughs> um. um yeah julie is also the one who it's the most obvious is not doing well I, yeah. <laughs> a year she, later. I feel like she's the one who like, I mean, sure, there's like the football scholarship and like the plans for New York, but yeah. like it does feel like Julie though is the one who's like really actually has the most potential to like go places. She does. Like she's very academically inclined and like they make a mention of like her kind of being on the cusp of academic probation at the end of her first yes. year, right? Yeah, so, her mom fully thinks she's on drugs yeah, because yeah, yeah. her behavior and, and is so she, well, bizarre. She looks awful. She looks Look, awful. She looks awful. She's not calling home. No, she's Call not your visiting. mother. <laughs> she's not visiting. And I know that this this, you know, was because of her because of the incident and like the big trauma that happened. But there was a part of my brain that was like, maybe it's just because like she's a tag kid who's like maybe actually being academically challenged. Sometimes this happens when kids go to college. Yeah. Uh, They were great all the time. And then she can't hang. Like, yeah, it's it's too much for her. It's too much pressure. You know, college gets really stressful. Yeah. She's like actually being challenged for maybe the first time and she doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah. Um, 
I'm sure it's the trauma of right. the accident. Because but I, I did have that thought. <laughs> at the end of the movie, somehow all of that trauma is resolved. And she's great And she again. makes the Dean's list. <laughs> yes. They, like, and she's calling home. They show how she's doing emotionally, like, through her academic yeah, abilities. Because yeah. that's really what she is, is just her grades. Yeah. In sure. the same way that Helen is just her crown. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so. Which is interesting with her also being the sort of, like, moral center, I guess, as much as any of them are, where she's the one who's like this is wrong what we're doing is wrong right, we shouldn't yeah. be doing this but then later she when they're you know trying to find the killer she has this line that's like i'm not interested in what's right anymore i'm mm. i want what's smart and <laughs> that really being like kind of a tension in her character hmm. that's interesting i didn't catch that at the end her what do you think about ray and julie rekindling their romance oh hate it i just it didn't it rang so false to me yeah especially when he's like i love you julie and she's like i understand your pain right well because she said that at the beginning it's yeah. a callback yeah yeah um no it's stupid because the at the end of the day this is a high school relationship and yeah like no, they should break up. Yeah. And unfortunately, that continues through the sequel. Right. They both survived the sequels. Spoiler, they both survived the sequel. But it does feel like, yeah, at this point in their relationship, nah, honeys, you're just like trauma bonded. Exactly. Yeah. You just went through something that nobody else can understand. And then. So you're stuck with each other. But right. that's not love. But yeah. It's or fine. it's a type of love, but it's and not necessarily a healthy relationship. And then in the sequel, they're, they show a shot of Freddie Prince Jr. like showing like an engagement ring like to uh-huh. his friend like and it's like oh don't do this oh my god they just like how insist much, on it how much time has passed before the sequel how much how old a are year. they only a year a so year. they're like nineteen twenty maybe a year gonna yeah. get engaged yeah oh motherfuckers I know. I know I hate it I guess he was right about that statistic oh, no he wasn't though um, <laughs> but what I really like. I feel like the purpose of that, like, there is a purpose to that. And I know that we're, we're going to talk about urban legends pretty mm-hmm. soon. But, like, I feel like the purpose is, like, look, they're, like, doing the right thing according to the urban legend mm-hmm. that this is based off. Right? Like, committed heterosexuality. You yeah. know? Like, that's yeah what you're yeah. supposed to do. There's, yeah. Like, okay. Whatever. She's the good girl. He's the good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good boy. <laughs> good boy. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Whatever. Um, okay. So, oh, I, so, so now I just have like in my notes, I have just like the death order. Yeah. Cause I do feel like a character that we haven't talked about that is kind of interesting in terms of death order yeah. related to that is Max. That's right. Yeah. He, Max is He's crazy. the first victim of the he slasher is. killer. Yeah. Yeah. And like, why? Uh, I think honestly, because he's set up as a red herring at yeah. the beginning, because he like kind of witnesses part right. of the incident, right? Um, so he's kind of set up as a red herring. He's kind it's he it's set up as he's like into Julie. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like doesn't like that. Ray or Barry. Like doesn't yeah. like them. He I mean, yeah. Also, kind of seems like a bully, which is weird. Like because he seems somehow less in terms of like the social hierarchy exactly them. yeah it, it's like if you want to bully like johnny galecki's not your guy like yeah. johnny galecki can be your guy for a lot of things but not yeah it that. felt very much like they were the bullies of him you know yeah even though that wasn't like if you just listen to the dialogue that wasn't it, happening but just happening. like the visuals it was like yeah so it's just like he didn't start the fights ever no, you know no. like he was just trying to talk to julie which is, i understand can be very annoying when you're a lady who's not interested in a man and oh, is yeah doing a lot of soft nose that he should be picking yeah, up on yeah, yeah. and he is not picking up well, on yeah, what does he say like oh you can't just leave without saying goodbye i'm like yes yeah, she can she can yeah, she, she can. owes you nothing yeah, yeah yeah sorry man i know sorry it it's yeah it's it, but... it, it made me think about again because it's so important to remember that this movie 
like, or this incident is taking place in the summer that these people have graduated from high school. Yeah. So, like, okay, so the summer between end of high school, beginning Ooh. of college, are you kidding me? And I was just, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, there are definitely people that I saw with great frequency in high school, like, daily. I have not seen yeah. since high school. And that's fine. Yeah. That was the intention, in fact. That's the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, and yeah, then, yeah, you might not see each other again. Who cares? It's fine. And then there's always the people who, like... You wanted to keep in touch with, but it just didn't happen. Or people who wanted to keep in touch with you and you were like, nah, sorry, high yeah. school's over. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so like, yeah, they were just kind of in that spot and like they were on different pages. Yeah. So yeah, just like but, yeah. in their development, they are in like such a precious spot. Yeah. While this is all this is happening. Yeah. 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 So I think Max gets killed, honestly, because in my personal opinion, the death count's too low anyway. So right. like, they need to kill somebody. And like, he's a red herring, but Ray's also a red herring. And then there's like. But like, f- yeah. Okay. Know. So from like a meta sense, I get it. But like, as if I am the killer. Right. Why am I targeting that guy? I don't know if that guy from I, just because he was there and maybe could have seen something, but didn't. Like, maybe because. Yeah, he had the moment of being like, "Ah, oh, my savior," because he also Max he, and Max didn't save him. He also kills Elsa, Helen's yeah. sister. What does she do? Well, like, honestly, I think she like, was just there yeah, and in the way, so which kind of makes sense because it's kind of the same with the cop, who's also just kind of there so, in the so way. So maybe in some way, Max was in the way. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. I just found that one really unclear. Yeah, and like yeah, like it was just sort of like, well, we need a good first kill. Yeah, right. It's a pretty good one. Yeah, could use more blood, but that's fine. Yeah, and then Barry gets attacked. And, like, it seems like he's done for. Like, mm-hmm. he's getting chased down by the car. Yeah. He's, like, on his back. The killer's right on top of him. Yeah. And then he blacks out and we're in the hospital. Yeah. And I, like, I was like, wait, what happened? I, have- I didn't catch it. What happened? See, that is one of those things that I feel like makes this very much a YA thriller and okay. not a slasher. Oh, okay. And I will dive in deeper into that in okay. a little bit. But, okay. yes, that is one to keep in mind. And I feel like, though, on the other hand, we have Max dying, which is very much a slasher thing. Right, yeah. And what keeps this from and being also a YA Ilsa thriller. Too. Yeah, 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 where it is just sort of like, we just need that high body count. Yeah. That doesn't matter why we're killing them. Just got to keep them dead. Right, yeah. Um, so I, that happens to Barry, and then he gets attacked again, right? And the same thing when Helen gets attacked and eventually killed. Like, we don't see Barry or Helen die. Oh, um, yeah. I didn't think about that. a horror fan, that upsets me, because, like, I want to see him, you know, like, I want That's to why see we're the watching blood us. and That guts. is what slashers are for. I want, yeah. And also, it's um, now, like, through the 21st century Marvel Universe kind of lens, it's like, if you didn't see it, it didn't happen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so just, like, we have to see it, so we have to know what happened, because, like, I don't want to see Sarah Michelle Gellar, like, walk around a corner and be like, I didn't die, you know? Right. But then they find him in the ice, and they're totally dead. They're totally like, dead. Ugh. But I guess maybe that's part part of it was having this suspense of like, maybe they can still be saved since, you know, he wasn't killed that first time. So maybe he wasn't killed the second time either. Like keeping that sort of suspense. Yeah. And then the police officer dies. Yeah. Also Helen. And then uh, Helen's the last one to die. That's it. And actually, I did. I did hear that the director was actually like was purposefully trying to make a quote bloodless slasher mm. um to which i say boo yeah come on man but Give i imagine yeah it was intended for a younger audience in a way yeah maybe i mean you know a younger audience would probably still show up for the blood and cuts but like but like whatever. one that their parents could feel better about <laughs> i guess yeah also to the point of it being more of a slasher ya yeah it has this kind of crossover hybrid thing. yeah yeah which did you know that this the, there was some adaptation of 
this that got like one season on Amazon. Prime. Yes, I did not watch it. Neither but yes, did I. I saw that when I was looking at it. Yeah, I was it's like, like oh, I wonder if that actually stuck to the book plot instead. Right, because yeah, this is based off a book, and the book is very different. Very different. Yeah, there's no hook handed man. What? Ugh. Okay. Well, I really like the hook handed man actually, and that's a really great segue into slasher corner if yeah. you're ready yeah let's talk about this being a slasher to some extent and not to other extents <laughs> yeah right um so there's another character that we haven't really talked about too much and that is ben willis who Who's is the name of the hook-handed man yeah the well, he's, well actually he's not even a hook-handed he's called man the fisherman yeah yeah because he doesn't actually have a hook for a hand he just has a hook as a weapon that's his weapon right yes exactly um because he has the hand right? yeah <laughs> um <laughs> he was not castrated right so um but he was he was <laughs> um we've talked about final girls a lot yeah you know um or final boys as the case may be right mm-hmm. um and that's great love a final girl that's okay but i feel like what, what this movie was giving me and like what this was making me think of for slasher corner right is that it's important to remember that the final girl exists mostly within the context of the adversarial relationship with the psycho killer mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um they're like two sides of the same coin yeah you know you really can't have one without the other um so our final girl is julie yeah and she's an interesting version of the final girl um she she's not a virgin she has sex at least once we know this right Mm -hmm. um and she is more like passive at least in the beginning and like does she ever except at the very end does she ever like fight the fisherman head on no, I mean, yeah, her way of fighting it is a little bit more like coming up with plans. Right. And she does end up face fa- facing the fisherman head on. But like when she does, it's with the assistance of Ray. Ray's yeah, there it too. almost feels like the final girl is sort of split between the two. And the masculine aspects of the final girl can be expressed through, through Ray. Ray. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Because they're yeah. really both the final. They really are. They're both the final, final girl. Yeah. Thems. Um, the, <laughs> the final days. Yeah. Um, uh who also survives. So Julie, again, yeah, exactly. Julie isn't even really the final girl. Yeah. Like in so many ways, she's not yeah. in like the traditional Noodle. like right. cookie cutter sense, you know? Yeah. So even though Julie isn't really a very like typical cut and dry final girl, which, you know, is part of this movie being like a slasher kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, Ben Willis, the fisherman. Yes. Uh, is an amazing psycho killer yes. which is one aspect of a slasher that yeah. like it needs to have right yeah. um he's an amazing psycho killer yeah um maybe even like quintessential you right. know and he i feel like yeah of the slasherness of this film fish the fisherman does a lot of the heavy lifting right yes um and also seems maybe even more concerned with the psychological torture mm-hmm. for punishment I have thoughts on that rather than the the physical torture yeah. like murder so if you want to create an effective psycho killer anybody writing a slasher there has to be a motivation a re- like a revenge driven backstory um oh yeah it he, always is revenge huh there it's usually revenge like freddie is like stalking the kids of the people but, yeah. who killed him jason hates co-ed campers because they killed they're like him. the ones who let him drown yeah uh also killed his mom right yeah um so yeah like the psycho killer is in charge of carrying out the punishments for the transgressions of the young people. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's so good at that. Like it's perfect, right? Like he absolutely has the motivation. He's like, actually basically killed him. He's a victim of them. Right. And he's like coming back around to get them. And it's like, that's great. A really great way to like do the motivation. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and also the psycho killer should still be like slightly removed relationally from the main group Mm. of youths. Right. Um, 
again, Freddie's like out for these kids because what their parents did, mm-hmm. not like what they did, you know. It, it, and it is kind of like uh, like six degrees of separation. Yeah. Like his daughter was <sighs> dating the guy, guy and then they he thought killed. they killed. Yes, <laughs> and he was killing that guy because he killed his daughter. It was an accident, but and then he still. accidentally got hit by them, <laughs> and it triggered him. So <laughs> they, they are connected, but like. But oh, there was so much more going on. There's more going on. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That, like, if they had accidentally yeah. hit anybody else... This wouldn't have happened, yeah. probably. Yeah, that other person would happened. not have responded in this way. Right, yeah. Also, another thing that you got to have for an uh, effective... Wait, wait, before oh, you move on. Yeah. Is there a reason, though, for having that distance, do you think? Between the psycho killer and his victims? Having those sort of degrees of separation? Right, well, and, you know, it's not always that way. I think about yeah. Scream. Right, yeah, like, it's yeah, very Billy and close. Stu, they're, like, in it, Right, you know? yeah. But um, I'm just wondering about what that does. Is it just to sort of keep that sort of like stranger danger outsider aspect? Maybe. Yeah, obviously. Especially with like a hook handed man. Exactly. Like how much this movie has to do and say about urban legends. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, yeah, maybe it is the like, idea of like an escaped comic. And also, you know, if we're, striker, if we're if we're actually going to be like sensible and realistic about it not moral panicky about it like the people who are who are most likely to hurt you are the the people you know yeah um usually more intimately than the guy you thought you killed killed girlfriend's dad dad. (laughs) (laughs) whatever yeah that's an interesting one yeah it yeah it's it it is interesting um but on probably not my favorite or the ones that I find the most interesting here, honestly, I think my favorite is the, this next one I was going for is like the use of a mask or some other facial yes. deformity like or disfigurement. The costume, the aesthetic, yes, sticking to a theme. However, still human. Yes. Right? So like Michael Myers. Yeah. Uh, Freddie and Jason. Uh, Leatherface. Mm-hmm. Jigsaw wears a hood a lot. He doesn't like have any like oh, facial disfigurement. What's that weird- Facing, or is that some sort of puppet? That's like a the, the puppet doll oh, thing. But he that, like, like uses it kind of as a mask it. in a way. Yeah, he actually because he does sometimes put like because it's all about his recordings. And also, I would maybe push against Saw being a slasher franchise. Well, yeah, yeah. But that's like a discussion yeah, for another time. Bad. But Jigsaw is included in a lot of like yeah. infamous slashers, and I, yeah, yeah, I think it's appropriate. Um, that's and true. I, imagine, yeah. I mean, part of it is to conceal. I yeah. imagine another part is intimidation. Uh, yes. And I also wonder if part of it is honestly some ableism. Well, yes. Because. Absolutely. Jason is like, we're meant to understand just from the first movie that he had like some developmental delays. Right. And that he That's had some Especially why he shouldn't have been left alone was like the idea, right? Right. Yeah. Freddie, yeah. of course, with his his like burn scars. Oh, he's like crazy burned. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, supposed to make him look scarier because, oh, God. Yeah. People with disfigurements. Right. And like Michael Myers is just like a mask, you know, mm-hmm. like he, it wasn't even called Michael Myers originally. He was just the shape, you know, oh. like he's just like a g- generic man shape. What could be scarier? What honestly? Could be, uh, th- nothing sounds more terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've got to get the mask in there. So I'm loving the fisherman vibe. Yes. Right. Yeah. Like, and that is not technically concealing the face, but you can't see but the you face. You can't see it. Like everything's yeah. Like the, the silhouette it makes. Yeah. Is, uh, is a good and one. how it like makes and it effective. easy for him to blend in. Cause there are other just fishermen around apparently. And, <laughs> yeah. And I have a lot more to say about that, but not right now. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then your your psycho killer should also have some supernatural element. Like maybe yes. they just seem like crazy strong or mm-hmm. really fast or just like really hard 
to take right. down. I remember us talking about that with Scream about like that was part of the trick of having it be two people because yeah. it'd be so common for like, how did that psycho killer get from there to there? Yes. They're just so fast. But in this case, like, it was like just two people. There was two people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so like and, and some sl- slasher psycho killers are literally supernatural. Freddy right, is yeah. like a ghost, whatever. Yeah. Whatever uh, the Jason fuck's going is on there. too. He's supposed to be dead. Right. Yeah. But he's not. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Michael is interesting. I did look this up. This is canon, even mm. though I haven't seen every single Halloween movie. Um, it is canon that Michael is like cursed. Oh, yeah. He's straight up cursed. Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. And that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and then there's, you know, probably some more. Right. Uh, depth and, and nuance to that curse. But he's basically cursed. Right. Right. Um, and it's just also just sort of generally the thing of them not staying dead exactly and and that they also, all seem to share what always got me about michael at least from like the first halloween movie which i have seen he never runs mm, right he just he gets up slowly and he walks and yet somehow ends up catching his victims who are running yeah right? anyway so uh, yeah there's the supernatural element either like indirectly or yeah directly right um and and this psycho killer <laughs> can I can I tell you all of the absolutely supernatural things the psycho killer okay, does? Yeah, yeah. What, what you, in this you know, supposedly what's your realistic favorite? one? What's your favorite? Well, I mean, absolutely ridiculous thing the killer does. <laughs> He's hit by a car and then dumped into the ocean, yes! and he has a fine. He's fine. Uh, that's actually on my list. He gets hit by a car and thrown in water and survives. Okay, I'm going to take that one off. Uh, <laughs> Check one. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm actually. I mean, the other things that I find supernatural about him right. are sort of going to go into why I think of this more as a YA thriller than as a slasher, mm-hmm. because I think there's something that YA thrillers do more than slashers, mm-hmm. which is that um, rather than having that like supernatural strength or like that physical supernaturalness, right. the villains in YA thrillers tend to have more of like a supernatural smartness into mm-hmm. intellect a mm-hmm. supernatural intellect mm-hmm. where it's like they're planning things out in like a way they're like so many steps ahead and like they know things that they shouldn't maybe because they're doing some sort of surveillance but it's sure. like when did they have time to do all of that fucking surveillance right, yeah, 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 yeah. and like they have all these like really elaborate ways to like taunt people that are like when do you have the time how are you doing this in broad daylight (laughs) you know it's just like i mean there's this joke from like i'm going to talk about pretty little liars later later but the original a you know the big bad guy yeah a mona she's the first one she's talked about as having a personality disorder that causes her to live in a perpetual state of hyper reality the adrenaline rush that accompanied her feelings of empowerment and her high level of intelligence fueled mona's ability to be seemingly all knowing and omnipresent and i feel like like manic basically but it allowed her to be super extra smart somehow (laughs) which is like also kind of a weird ableism thing yeah but like i feel like that's more what the supernaturalness of this guy fits a little bit in that vein oh yeah so that's what i've got so this is something this is the most like ridiculous Puts a fully frozen dead what? body yes. with crabs with the crabs in the trunk of Julie's car, which is enough. But no, there's then. more. And then, then he takes it all out in like the space of how long? Uh, 
moments. Well, it's actually, we don't know how long because, like, she goes to find, like, Julie goes to find Helen and Ray or whatever. And then, like, they're coming back and, like, we're not sure if they're, like. Like, how far she had to go to get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it it doesn't matter because it's in the middle of the day in a suburban street. Yes. And does Was he wearing his fisherman gear when he did that? I don't know. Was he like, don't mind me and my fish? <laughs> yeah. And like, but like, also the fact is, is that that fully frozen dead body with the crabs is going to leave. Yeah. It's going to get like wet and like the trunk looks like There would like be some sign. Yeah. Which, which does play into which, uh, something that does go through the, this movie and the sequel, which is like, what if Julie's just crazy? Ooh. Right. But also. And you know, those things can coexist where he, she could be getting targeted by the slasher killer and also. The trauma of that. Making her go crazy. Right. And it makes sense um, that she would imagine a body that was like drowned, you know, <laughs> like with the crabs over it implies like a drowning or something when that is something that she feels guilty about. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And also the fact that like, again, I think also that's something fishermen do. The crab. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think there's something about fishermen. Like there's something socioeconomic going on here, yeah. I think, with the fishermen. Um, so also the psycho killer sneaks into Helen's house. He's literally right next to her. She doesn't notice. Mm-hmm. He sneaks up and hides in her closet. Yeah. And like just to cut her hair and write like a message on the mirror mm-hmm. and just like away into the night. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Classic um, YA he, thriller. He kills Barry and takes his body away, leaving almost no physical evidence. Yeah. Except a like the single drop of blood. No, there's a, like, there's a little okay. bit of blood, but like. Still, but it's like just the tiniest little dribblings. Yeah, it's like wow, that is very like impressive. very quickly. Yes, in the time it took quickly. them to go upstairs. Yes, he's gone. He survives. Uh, like a little spoiler for the sequel. He survives being thrown into the water at the a end, second time <laughs> again, like he did in the beginning. Um, yeah, because he seems defeated, you know, yeah. so that he can come back in the sequel. He's not defeated, Classic. you know, and. Also, in the very last scene of both of these movies, this one and the sequel, um, the very last scene is Julie being attacked by the fisherman, right? Like, just the, it's the very mm-hmm. last scene, right? To, like, to really show that, like, the psycho killer and the final girl's fates are, like, really yeah. intertwined, right? Um, so I love this. Also, one other thing you really should go for, like, a really good psycho killer, you want a good weapon, right? Yeah. Something unique to the psycho killer mm-hmm. and preferably scary, right? Like, Freddy's razor fingers are terrifying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jason has a fucking machete. Like, it's, it's like, iconic, right? Right, yeah. Um, and so, like, the fish hook is a great weapon, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's it, thematic. It calls yep. back to the urban legend. Absolutely. And, and it also just, like, if we're looking at the fisherman silhouette, like, we think about slasher, psycho killer silhouettes, right? Mm-hmm. If we're looking at the fisherman and, like, the detail of, like, a hook uh, yes. at the hand, like, kind of kind of big you know because like yeah. you got the slicker and, and the, the big, big hat like yeah. it's kind of all encompassing and then like the sleek hook is just it's fantastic right so i just really like the psycho killer one other aspect actually yeah i don't know if it's of the slasher killer psycho killer or of slashers in general but it does seem to be a thing of like things happening on the same day especially a <laughs> yes, holiday where it's like yes. where it's like this is july 4th this is his day to strike like <laughs> july 4th it's july 4th i don't know <laughs> why is that your day do you think it's significant that it's on july 4th i i thought it was at first and i was like i don't know it's a summer holiday i mean that was my only thought is that like okay that yeah. makes sense as a night when teens would get up to reckless behavior 
Sure. They might yeah, be at a yeah, party yeah. seeing some fireworks out That's late true. to watch the fireworks. Right. Yeah. Drinking. This is true. You know, which is what our teens are doing. That was really the only thing I could think of. Yeah. Plus, it lets us have a parade. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and like the jump scare of the sound of fireworks, right? Yes. Um, I actually, I, and re- I guess for him, for his purposes, yeah. it's good to have not just as a jump scare, but that sound as cover for everything that he's, he's doing. Destroyed. Right. Yeah. They need the, the disguise. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the fisherman, uh, Ben Willis, whatever you want to call him, is a great psycho killer. And I also feel like something else I think that psycho killers are what makes a, a good psycho killer a great psycho killer is that if you have some sympathy for them, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't feel that like super often, you know. So like the fact is that like these kids kind of did get away with it, right? Like <laughs> yeah, they, they were not being held responsible for their actions. Like, yeah. So he's like taking matters into his own hands. And honestly, like as a teacher, I have seen <laughs> student accountability mean less and less uh, yeah. over like five years. And so I'm like, yeah, I get it, man. I was like, yeah, fuck these teens. Yeah. You know, murder's a bit extreme, but a little you know? extreme, but like I sympathize, you know, and I just like the last thing I want to say is like, it's just, it's kind of a shame that like fisherman, the fisherman doesn't have as much of a legacy as like other slasher killers. Oh yeah. Like Freddie or Michael. And maybe it's just cause like his numbers are low. Like he's only right. in technically there are three Oh, Last they? summer movies. Um, the third one, it was like kind of like direct to streaming uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Or direct to VHS DVD or something. Yeah, yeah. DVD probably. Anyway. Um, and I, I do wonder if some of it has to do with the fact that his name is Ben Willis <laughs> slash <laughs> the fisherman. Like it doesn't have the That's same a- like je ne sais quoi as like Leatherface, oh. you know? But it's not like Michael Myers has anything. I know. Michael Myers was a, yeah, that's a, I don't know. But, you know, he was kind of creating the genre, so. It's true, he right? Yeah. some, you know. is laying down the prototypes, right? Right. Like, I mean, even Freddy isn't like that scary of right. a name, but like Freddy. Freddy Krueger, though, has a ring. Krueger is a creepy last name. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know why. Anyway. um, Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think another thing might be just the fact that. While he is a good slasher, he yeah. doesn't seem to exactly be existing in a slasher he, film. Yeah, he doesn't really exist in a slasher. He's kind of out of place, right? And, yeah. And that's also and sad. I think it's like, oh, you you get your own franchise, buddy? Yeah, this would, you would be Oh, you'd be out of here. Yeah. Um, I think part of that is because of the book that this is based on, the novel. There is no fisherman. You, it's not a slasher. You've told me. Yes. Yeah. No, the um, the author of it, Lois Duncan, mm-hmm. um, it was published in 1997. So this movie was like kind of released at the same Whoa, time. That's crazy um, to me. But she was like upset. She was like, they turned my book into a slasher and that's not what it was. Yeah. Like she was not a fan of that. I mean, there are some things that does make this a slasher. Mm-hmm. For example, even though the body count is low for a slasher, yeah. it's way higher than it would be for like than it was in her book and that it would be for a YA thriller. Yeah. Um, I feel like also just sort of like being a very postmodern slasher thing of having that kind of genre awareness that comes in. That's very Kevin Williamson right. of like, you know, making references to like Angela Lansbury and Jodie Foster and right. like using those as their code names and things. He, and he also was, I think it's just like worth knowing that like basically after Scream came out, the studio was like, write another one like that yeah you know and so he's like okay and like i don't under i don't know exactly how the adaptation of this novel yeah. came to to, came not, to be yeah. but um so um, yeah you can see yeah. him doing his sort of normal slasher things yeah and like mostly with the hook handed man who's not in the novel mm-hmm. but also some other things but yeah no the things that really make it a why thriller i mean there's just the fact that lois duncan the author she, like she kind of actually pioneered the genre the subgenre of like thriller and horror for the YA market at this time like she was writing a lot darker stories than 
her contemporaries at the time who would have been like Judy Bloom or mm-hmm. like Beverly Cleary, you know, mm-hmm. like they handled serious things, but not in like a dark way like Lois Duncan did for people who aren't aware of me saying YA that just means young adult yeah <laughs> just in case yeah. um and yeah so we're talking about like but the- young adult like to me a young adult is like 21 right <laughs> but when we talk about YA literature we're really talking about like high school high school yeah um I think the easiest way to understand it in terms of like the mainstream mm-hmm. like the reason why YA thrillers have become popular yes. is because of the tv show Pretty Little Liars right it really put the genre on the map yeah which also was adapted from a novel series Pretty it's, Little Liars? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think if you watch this movie after being familiar with Pretty Little Liars, you'll be like, oh, PLL has a lot to thank this movie for oh. in a lot of ways. Like, I can see so much of it. Um, so I think, yeah, I'm probably going to be referenc- referencing PLL a lot. So PLL stands for Pretty, Pretty Little, Little Liars. Liars. I know together. you haven't seen it, but in case our <laughs> listeners have, yeah. it's a really good, like, typical example. Quintessential. Quintessential, yeah. Um, I might also reference One of Us is Lying because that's a more recent one. Mm. Yeah, it was just on TV last year, 2022. The book was from 2017. So, like, it's a more recent one. Sure. But, um, yeah, I, we're going to play our archetypes game oh, at yeah, the end, I yeah. assume. And anybody who was, you know, any listener who knows that we play archetypes and, like, knows how that game works and listen to us talk about the characters, I think they know exactly where we're going yeah. with this. But yes. I kind of want to th- say that I feel like they're not going to fit in perfectly, mm. be, but what they do fit well, in really well, do. too is actually the YA thriller archetypes. Oh, okay. Which are things that I, I didn't, like, research this or, like, I'm not working on anybody else's theory. This is just from my experience of this being a genre that I enjoy because I think it's silly and campy and fun. Yeah. So, like, these are just sort of, like, my idea of the archetypes. Mm-hmm. And we'll definitely see some, like, crossover with our horror slasher mm, archetypes okay. because I think that it has, a you know, in the way that this movie kind of bridges those two. Yeah. I think there's like some sort of like signs of it, but then it's also different in a lot of I'm ways. I'm so excited for you to tell me YA thriller archetypes right now. I feel yeah. like I should like get a snack. <laughs> okay, okay, so the first one is our homecoming queen. She doesn't necessarily have to be a homecoming queen, but that archetype of like the popular girl who's like maybe outwardly mean, but like has a heart of gold normally. Yeah. And normally or, like has more going on. Yes. Has like more, a shitty sister, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Like and also over the course of the story, she'll often like somehow distance herself from like if the other popular kids are really mean, she'll like not be as cruel as they are mm. and she'll like step away from them a lot. Mm. Um, and she'll often show that sort of stepping away from her popularity and cruelness by um, either cutting or dyeing her beautiful blonde hair. That's that's an often thing that happens. Really? Yeah, she's got to be blonde. Yeah. I did very much notice that like, oh, the two blondes are dating and the two brunettes are dating. <laughs> Interesting. I, well, I also feel like, honestly, that's just the way I've kind of always differentiated people. It, the world was always like blonde people and like yeah. brunettes, basically. Sorry, redheads. Um, um, yeah. But I also think that part of that is just like the fact that there are no people of color in this movie. Right. So like, how do we differentiate them? Hair color. Between the two white girls and the two white guys. Yeah. Like a uh, brunette and blonde. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, she's got to be blonde, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think this one is interesting because like I said, often you'll have them like cut off their hair, cut it short because mm-hmm. that's like such a symbol of their like beautiful popularity is their long beauty pageant hair, you know. Of course. Yeah. And so it's all might... about the do. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, in Pretty Little Liars, uh, this is kind of like the Hannah character and she gets like sh- shorter, sleeker haircuts or like Addie in One of Us is Lying. She dyes her hair pink because she's a rebel now. Oh my God, I'm literally dyeing my hair magenta tomorrow. Nice, fun. Yes, yes I love I'm magenta. very excited. Yeah. But then obviously in this movie, it's Helen 
And yes. she does not choose to cut her hair, but she does get it cut. It, it gets cut. Yeah. Yes, she is concerned about those things. She yeah. does. Yeah, she totally fits that that character, which, it, you know, is interesting because, well. Are you going to talk about the whore? Yeah. Jump, do it. That's what I think she is. Right. <laughs> she's supposed to be representing. Well, I think, but she's not doing it well. Well, because I think there is a certain connection. connection. Like, it's easy to see the whore in the homecoming queen because, because it's, it's the beautiful one because it's ya it's for high school kids like we're yeah. not like talking well, about and, whores well, and you know? i think the other thing though is because like teen behavior isn't punished in the same way that it is in a slasher that's true like right. pretty much all of the characters are going to be engaging in like teen sexuality in some Euphoria. way yeah i mean yeah i've never <laughs> seen I mean, it so but I'd like <laughs> in this movie where like all these characters have sex they're all having sex yeah. and they're all doing it though in like the confines of these like committed relationships it's, it's not like heterosexual too yeah it's like they're not relishing you know punishing these unruly teens they're trying to show teens how to engage in these behaviors within certain confines mm. and like be responsible about it where like, it's like the same thing with like the drinking where right. it's like he's going to get super drunk but we're not going to let him drive right yeah 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 there's like a, we know not to do that yeah, yeah there's yeah, like yeah. an edge that they walk up to and then they don't go all the uh-huh. way with it and so like shows now they'll have characters who are like talking about consent before they have sex right, or like right, you know yeah. they'll get drunk but then they'll like take care of each other and get each other home right because it's a lot more about educating the teens than it is about like relishing in their destruction and like maybe what a generation or two before would have been urban legends yeah. about not engaging in that behavior at all uh, yeah and now it's uh, you know I actually talk about this a lot in my health class harm reduction yeah harm more harm reduction than absolute abstinence right yeah which in general I'm for yeah maybe I should read more YA novels <laughs> they're very campy they're very silly so that's our homecoming first one queen. is our homecoming queen, okay. which then gets us to our good student, who is probably the most similar to the virgin or kind of like a virgin scholar. Scholar hybrid. Wow. Because yeah. like she is also going to engage in sexual behavior yeah. and often like romance is a central part of her story because she's like the smart nerdy girl who also in all the teen shows and all the teen movies, you know, not just the thrillers. You know, the nerdy girl is going to end up with some hot guy. You know, that's just like yeah, a thing that's that happens. part of the arc is that yeah. she like, she yeah. takes off her glasses and takes down her, yeah. her ponytail and she's beautiful. And yeah. Yeah. And I feel like in a comedy or whatever, like a sex comedy, it's more often like a popular guy. But in a yeah. YA thriller, it's going to be more like the guy from the other side of the tracks, you uh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I'll, he's another type. I'll get to him. Kay. And I would say that she's like, tends to be a pretty headstrong character. She's the character who's coming up with the plans. Right. She's often brunette in stories where it's like white people. Right. You know, like she's very Julie. Julie fits it very well. Mm-hmm. And you can see her in Spencer from Pretty Little Liars and Bronwyn from One of Us is Lying, you know. I'm also kind of getting a Hermione vibe. Yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. That kind of, yeah. That's become kind of an ar- archetype as mm-hmm. like the good girl student. Right. Who's like really smart. Yeah. Because I think she might be kind of like a... Uh, successor to the virgin which doesn't have as much social capital anymore because we don't like abstaining from teen sex right, just doesn't hit in the same we're, way we're shifting more towards her yeah. reduction rather than absolute, yeah absolute, so like yeah. how do we show that she's a prude or something you know right it's not through that but it's like that she's spending more time studying than she is going to parties right. and i also feel like for the virgin like the point of the virgin is like innocence yeah so like where's the innocence yeah that doesn't play in as much yeah hmm yeah. Interesting. Because, like, I could still see, I, I don't know, like, I guess Julie kind of does have, like, an innocence. More so than the others. More but so it's, than the others. But that's a... And she, like, kind of gets hit hit the hardest by it. At yeah. least that's what we, like, see her get hit yeah. the hardest by it. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like Julie. Yeah. yeah. And I would say from my experience, those first two types tend to be girls. Yeah. Um, the other types can be, it can be all be 
girls. It can be girls and guys. It can be kind of a mix. So our next archetype is the jock. Of course. Which is very much just what it says on the tin. Yeah. Very similar to our athlete. Yeah. Um, often popular, but doesn't have to be. Usually really singularly focused as well. Um, and I would say usually faces the most like physical danger or violence. Okay. Like it just sort of happens. Like I think about this a lot. With because a- they're instigating it per chance? <laughs> Not always, but because... Because in some way like their a, body is more relevant to uh, what they do. Fair, so yeah. if somebody's going to target them, they're yeah. going to make it so that they can't swim anymore or can't play baseball anymore, which are things that happen to Emily and Pretty Little Liars and Cooper and One of Us is Lying. Yeah. Like they get their sport taken away from them. Right, right. Yeah. And I think there's also something about how like in a slasher film, we'll have like the final girl who like does take down the psycho killer, but yeah. not necessarily in like a brawl. Yeah. Usually she's, it's more about her resourcefulness. Yeah. Or like turning his weapon against him somehow. Uh, yeah. Coming up with a plan to like yeah. trap him. Whereas like, like in YA thriller, we might actually have like a fight. <laughs> oh, like an actual fight. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So I mean, yeah. So I think for this movie, it's a little unclear. Like Barry does have that kind of, I mean, he is a jock. Right. He has a scholarship. But there's also an aspect to Ray where he actually does get in a fight with our psycho killer at the end, you know. Right. Yeah. Ray. Ray is kind of in on it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also because he has the knowledge of sailing because they're on yes. a boat and he's been working on a boat for about a year. So, like, we know he has the skill set yeah. for that terrain or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I would say even though he does get in that fight in the end, um, he's not as physically <laughs> violent as barry is and also ray just in general fits more this well second to last archetype yeah um last of our victims um is the like alternative kid or boy from the wrong side of the tracks okay they're technically two different archetypes but like they tend to kind of have they can either be the same character or they can fill like a similar role they're usually the character who's the least popular for whatever reason either because of socioeconomic class or because they're like a punk weirdo yeah um they're just sort of like they have less money they're an outsider in some way what also gets me like what ray gives me and like i would like a better term for this because i don't actually believe this exists but like beta male oh yeah like what's a bet like because like ray kind of is like the sidekick the sidekick yeah i guess maybe kind of the beta yeah yeah whatever anyway so um or the sub whatever um to to bury at least yeah. you know the other man um okay yeah so well, like, that's actually interesting because i feel like the the old kid or the boy from the wrong side of the tracks you know yeah they often play a very supportive role uh-huh. to a lot of the other characters and they're also like because they're like the least popular or whatever or they don't care about appearances much because right. they don't have them right they're the most willing to like lose face face in public mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. often in a way actually kind of makes them the hardest one for the villain to take care of because the villain often relies on things like blackmail right, and like yeah. taunting people, humiliation, and, you know, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. So I think this is Ray because yeah. he's like poor, and I think there's also this thing about the wrong side of the tracks kind of guy where he's often the one who's going to romance the nerdy girl, and we have that here. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. that here. It's going to be them, yeah, because you know it's going to be the jock and the homecoming queen, right? Yeah. And then we need another couple, and so it's got to be, be yeah, yeah, yeah. So and yeah, it's an archetype that we have. And one of us is lying. We have Nate who does romance our smart girl, Bronwyn. And he's also the one who's like kind of willing to take the fall and be like, if one of us has to go to prison, I have the least going on in my life. Wow, okay. Um, And then in Pretty Little Liars, Caleb and Toby, who are two of the main love interests for the liars, they're both like lower socioeconomic class. For a while, Caleb is living in Hannah's house because he doesn't have anywhere else to live. Is is Pretty Little Liars, like, are the characters meant to be like pretty high socioeconomic? I mean, yes. Okay. 
Yes. They but then all there are. are characters who are yeah. less so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's always... Or else are outsiders for a different reason if it isn't because of their money. Like, yeah. Toby is kind of an outsider because there are things... There are just, like, rumors about him yeah. going around. And- yeah, I think about, like... Um, you know, this doesn't fit, like, the theme exactly, but I think about, like, TV shows like 90210 and, like, The O.C. Yeah. It's just, like, we just love watching rich people. Yeah. Do rich people things. Then, which makes it really funny, because I was thinking about and Pretty Little Liars, like, okay, but then what does that make... Aria, because she's one of our liars, and like she is kind of our alternative girl because she's the one who wears like the weirdest fucking outfits. I don't know what she's thinking. Um, And she's also the one who has like the most like quote unquote maturity. Maturity. She's kind of like the not like other girls kind of girl. So she's like very much this alternative character in that sense, Mm -hmm. but it's very much a rich (laughs) sort of alternative girl. She's not an actual like gutter punk sort of scudsy whatever. Uh You know, like she still can be like popular and pretty Hmm. while still being like, well, I wear darker artsy clothing Uh and get molested by one of my teachers. Gross. But it's a romance, so don't worry about it. I hate this. No, this (laughs) This is why I don't watch this stuff, man. No, this is an Ezra Fitz hate blog. I'm taking that stance for both of us, even though you haven't watched it. Okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Gross. Okay. So those are like my main archetypes. Wow. That I think fit this film really well. And we'll talk about our slasher archetypes at the end. But like, I think they fit into like, they do what we see now, which makes me think that this was really, or at least a lot of the work that Lois Duncan does probably really was the precursor to what we see in the genre today. There is one other type of character that I haven't talked about. One more archetype. Okay. Which is the secret keeper. Okay. I'm really proud of that name. Okay. It's the character who's like a catalyst. Oh. So it might be the person who's murdered. It might be the person who's like doing the murders or it might be both sometimes somehow. Oh. What about, how about <laughs> as the, is the case in this one? Cause I started, I started watching only murders in the mm-hmm. building. Is that, selena gomez's character at least in the first season because she's she is keeping the secret because she keeps the secret that she know, knows mm. the dead guy i would say it's her it's friend who died originally oh the lady the girl the yeah. girl okay. because okay so the deal i with haven't the sec- gotten that yeah far yet because because yeah. the thing with the y thriller genre is that they all have secrets and that's the other thing the secret keeper does is that they know all of their secrets oh. and are going to use it against them i see so, like, you find out your friend died, but then somebody is writing you blackmail notes about something that only that friend knew. Uh-huh, That's, yeah. like, a very classic thing that would happen and is essentially what happens And I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. Right? Like, that's it. <laughs> and also, if it is somebody who gets murdered, it's often because of secrets that they kept, you know, that none of their friends knew about. And, like, the mystery usually starts with, like, these mysterious notes that have these secrets in them. Right. Alluding to all the, you know, these different Alluding secrets that the characters have. a secret that people yeah. thought were secret. Yeah. So it's, it's, like, blackmail and, like, taunting and stuff is much more a YA thriller thing than, I think, a slasher thing. Because there's something about this movie where he takes his time. You talked about that with some oh of his, gosh, like... yeah. A little too long, in yeah, my opinion. Yeah. That he's sort of more focused on that and, like, the poetic justice of things of, like, he's going to drive Ray down no drive Barry down with his car yeah. like the same car that hit him yeah, yeah, yeah. but he's not going to kill him because it's not about that it's about like making them feel guilty yeah and like the psychological torture yeah, yeah. Like, breaking him down before he finally yeah. yeah and I think part of that is because cat and mouse a little in like know? a YA thriller more so than in a slasher we don't actually want to kill off our sexy stars right you yeah know? yeah i think that was definitely part of this movie it's just like well we don't want yeah, any of have, them to die we have these four sexy stars yeah. so like so yeah, I think that's why he has that first instant with Helen where he's going to cut off her hair right. and leave the crown there to freak her out but not kill her. Right. Or like, it's often a thing of doing things just to make them feel crazy. 
like making jo- Julie feel crazy about yeah. the crabs. Well, or, like, I mean, that was insane. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then also doing it to Helen by killing Barry just out of sight. Right, yeah. So well, then every- also like chasing down Barry and not killing him once before. You yeah, know, yeah, and then killing yeah. him out of sight. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like these are things that like anybody who's watched PLL, like they'll recognize like the liars were always getting stuck with bodies that they did not kill. And then suddenly those bodies disappeared or like they're getting hit with cars or cars driving through their house or there's like a snake in their room or like they went to the dentist and when they got out, there was like a message in one of their teeth. Like no. these weird things that they do because no. it's about like taunting them. <laughs> okay. And like, I think, yeah, I think part of it is like you want to keep your sexy stars. And the other part of it is that unlike a slasher, we actually care about the characters and their development. And like right, their relationships yeah. with each other. That's true. And Much so more like so. Yeah. the focus, they spend more time on like the investigation and like unveiling who this person is yeah. than they do running away from him and like almost getting killed by him. Right. Yeah. Because he's kind of not around for a lot of the movie. Yeah. yeah. So there are ways where I think this movie really fits our YA thriller genre while still having some of those slasher aspects yeah. that you wouldn't necessarily see in YA thriller too much. Right. And I just, yeah, I found that interesting. That. It is interesting. Well, I guess this is just what we get when Kevin Williamson adapts a YA novel into a slasher a horror screenplay. Like yeah. that's just yeah, that's just what we get, right? Mm-hmm. Again, like uh, I-, I was noticing a lot on the internet and just like um, a lot of the discourse around this movie, like directly comparing it to Scream, right? And I see why. both written by Kevin Williamson like those two movies came out like a year apart from each other Mm -hmm. you know and like and and again like I mentioned like Kevin Williamson was asked by the studio to make like write another one like you made made Scream do it again basically you know I can see both the studio and the audience being like we want another Scream and going in expecting this to be another Scream right and then perhaps being disappointed because it's not nearly as clever no, it's it's not. That's the thing. And then people are really, like, people like we they still make the connection and like the equating of Scream and I know what you did last summer, right? yeah. And like, uh, yeah, they're I think pretty different movies. They, I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think of the similarities other than kind of just sort of the cadence of the dialogue, which is very Kevin Williamson, right? And I like, don't really know what else I could say that's like similar, right? And it's, it's not even the same age group, really. No, not really. Yeah, and it's like it's. You know, it's like a group of young people, you know, like being stalked and murdered, you know, and mm-hmm. like that's kind of it. And like, but that's that's the, just a genre. Yeah, that's the genre. That's what happens in that's so many movies, right? Yeah. And like, that's what they set out to do with both those films. Uh, and like one set out yeah. to comment on it while the other set out to just sort of be it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's not nearly as as meta for sure. And yeah. like, uh, yeah, I think obviously for all those reasons that you, you just laid out, like it's much more of like a YA thriller than yeah. a slasher film and scream is much more a slasher right yeah. now um i don't know i just i just wanted to say that like i don't get the direct comparison of scream to i know what you did last summer like I, other than to just sort of shit on i know what you did last summer right yeah it's like oh it's not as good ripoff you know and it's just like well it's not really a ripoff because the same dude wrote them so like that's yeah that's important. a weird thing to say that's an important place to start and it's just like, yeah, and, yeah, and no, it's not a, Scream, but nothing's Scream. Yeah, and it had a scream. different goal because it was an adaptation, which is a very different type of job. I mean, you could compare any two slashers together, and I, they're both postmodern, and they yeah. both have the same sort of cadence because they're, they're the same writer. Because but they're like, written by the same person. But yes. it's like, yeah, sometimes writers will write similar things because they're themes that they're interested in. Yeah. That doesn't make them, like, rip-offs. You gotta like, write what you know, man. Like, that's such a weird thing to say, a rip-off. Yeah. So... 
do you want to get into urban legends now? Oh, I do. I want to get into my literary corner. Let's do it. That was a different melody this time. Yeah, it was. Do you want me to do it? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Give us one good one. <laughs> literary corner. <laughs> um, so as we already mentioned, um, the original novel did not have that hook-handed man. Right. Who is, as you say, such a great psycho killer. Such a good psycho killer. Because the original novel... Too bad he's not in a slasher. <laughs> was, yeah, the original novel was not a slasher, so it didn't need that. But um, I did want to look into just sort of that original mythos, the original urban legend about him. Because I just think it was it's interesting. Right. And, and they tell so many different versions of I it. I definitely also recall... I've I've heard I've heard those stories like yeah. the a ver- version. I was going to ask you that versions. if you remembered hearing one of those. Yeah, you want me to tell you? Oh, what version did you know? Oh, I've I've heard several. But oh, like yeah. The main one to me was, yeah, a, a young man and young woman in a car together at like a makeout point yeah. or whatever. Like here, they're listening to the radio and they hear like a radio announcement come on of like an escaped person from yeah. the prison or the insane asylum yeah. or something nearby Sometimes it's insane as a hook for a hand watch out extremely dangerous <laughs> that kind of thing um i like your radio announcer voice <laughs> thank you that's very <laughs> and, and my my urban legend radio announcer yeah. voice. Um, that's why i'm this time so we gotta talk like this eh? <laughs> See? Yeah. anyway um and then I think, you know, there's like a dialogue between the young couple and, you know, the girl is usually like, ooh, this is scary. Like, maybe we should go. And the guy's usually like, don't worry, baby. It's fine. I want to have sex. And then, Yeah. And then I've heard, honestly, two versions. Mm-hmm. We the, get like three or four versions there's in this so movie. There's so many versions. Yeah. Because they're, and that's how urban legends work. Uh-huh. Um, I've heard two versions. The safer version is that the concerned girlfriend prevails and they yes. leave. And they find the hook on mm. the door of the car. Yes. That's like the safer version I've heard. Mm-hmm. And then like the actual like punishment for sexuality version I've heard yep. is yeah like the guy goes like to the, investigate or they whatever. hear a sound or like sometimes you know, it's the car broke down the car broke down yeah he hears something out in the wood whatever and so he like gets out to investigate and he like never comes back mm-hmm. and then the girl is like fuck this and leaves and like so I think in in both of the the main versions I've heard like the girl gets away Often safe. There's somewhere she doesn't. Somewhere she doesn't. Yeah, yeah. but the one ones I heard, she yeah. always did. What about you? Have you heard like a? Uh, sp- I mean, vaguely, I knew of it. Yeah, but I can't think. It was, I don't think it was something that like was a story we told each other. You know, when we were younger. I think I heard yeah. about it later as like talking about urban legends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, I guess there was a version that was in Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but I did not read that. Right. Yeah, I feel like I saw, like, some version of that story, yeah, like, being told on, like, some TV. Yeah, it gets passed around a lot. It's very common. I think, actually, technically, the version I heard, which is, like, a different myth, um, is the Goatman story. But I'm bringing it up because it has the same element of a guy and a girl. The version of it I heard was, like, a guy and a girl in a car. Right. Um, they break down or the guy hears a noise, whatever. He gets out to investigate. And then it's kind of like the version that um, Helen tells, I think, first. But then Barry also tells about it where somehow the guy ends up strung up to a tree. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then so it's like that kind of version is the one I heard. But right. the original version is actually the one that Ray is ta- telling. The one Which Ray is the tells. one okay. that you were talking about being the more like tame version where it's like. The kids get away in their car, but he goes, you know, so fast that he rips the hook off the hand, you know, of the guy and the hook's there on the car. And ah. So you mean 
you said the original version. The oldest version. The, so there is a like pinpointable oldest kind version of the story. Of. Okay. Because, I mean, there's a sense of, there's another thing that Ray says, which is that, you know, the story's real because urban folk tales, they all originate somewhere in some sort of truth. Right. You know, and he like kind of has a point about that, yeah. but kind of not. Yeah. Like some have sort of versions that. that we can trace kind of. Because yeah. like, I mean, if we were talking about um, deaths on lover's lanes. Right. Yeah. I mean, are you familiar with the Texarkana Moonlight Murders? Yes. Town Who Dreaded Sundown. Yes. 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 I, I was not familiar. Uh, I mean, that's kind of all I got. Yeah. You know, it was like uh, a but yeah. f- 40s or 50s, something like that. But yeah, it was just some, you know, young co-eds on Lover's Lane getting attacked in their cars. Yeah. You know, killed. Um, and that did happen before the myth started originating. Uh-huh. Our earliest, you know, known examples of it. So like it could have technically been an inspiration Right. But then, like, other people talk about inspirations. There are things that actually happen later, like the Zodiac Killer course, or, like, the yeah. Son of Sam. Those things happen later. And, like, yeah. also, including Texarkana, none of those involved, like, the hook, which is of the course. most iconic part of the The, the, po- the point yeah, of that story, like, that's, yeah. 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 So it's like... Mm. I also, you know, I also just think about, like, what urban legends do. It Like, yeah, at some point they're based in some truth. But, like, like all stories, like, over time they get embellished. And, right. like... A hand becomes a hook for right, a hand, yeah. and you know, yeah, well, um, yeah. A, a five foot six person becomes six foot six. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that in the sense of these arising out of truth, what they're really arising out of is like social anxieties, absolutely, rather than always. like facts, always. And like yeah. social anxieties are a truth in a way. They're yeah, it's true that you're feeling anxious about yeah. that. So it's like maybe taking some of these kind of true elements and like getting scared about them, getting scared about teens and cars alone you know like things like that like giving voice to these anxieties mm-hmm. um often sort of reinforcing social control <laughs> you know yeah. by like keeping women and children confined in doors yeah. or like you know just encouraging teen sex yeah. you know yeah. um a lot of this is actually coming from the american hysteria podcast that oh yeah Ch- chelsea weber smith does every time they're on you're wrong about yeah i always enjoy those episodes i would recommend if you just want like short little tidbits and want to get deeper on the hook handed man stuff yeah um they have an earlier episode called teen sex is one of their early ones where they talk about it Mm. and then they have a discussion with some other people in the next episode which is just about like murdered on lover's lane sort of Mm. stories interesting and yeah uh, they brought up this interesting point of like those murders on lover's lane happened after the myth was already going round and like they're perhaps being a sexual component to those cases of like these killers sort of act, enacting rage against these teens who are able to have this, like, normative sex life and young love that, like, they couldn't or whatever. Right, yeah. That this didn't... Maybe because they're disabled. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That this didn't, like, originate the myth, but it did mm. sort of feed into the myth and, like, allow it to expand and grow and, like, add to its meaning in a different way. Mm-hmm. But should we talk about the hook as a phallic symbol that gets ultimately castrated? <laughs> sure. I mean... You know, it, I feel like in the way that just weapons in general can rep- like be yeah, phallic representation, you know, sim- symbolism. Um, uh, this is kind of a weird one. Like, it's not yeah. a machete. It's not a chainsaw. It's not a gun. It's like a rounded fish. Hook. Yeah. So I guess like. It's not the most phallic shaped. Not the most phallic shaped. But anything that can penetrate. Uh, yeah, right. Or yeah, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, this yes. really goes back to the idea of this being an anxiety about teens having sex. And that's of why course, we yes. need to castrate this phallic symbol. Yes. And it actually comes from this folklorist, Alan Dundas. Okay. 
he had this sort of Freudian interpretation where he's Love a yeah, he interpretation. Like, Lay it on yeah, me. That like the hook handed man wants to stop these teens from having sex out of this jealousy over uh-huh. his own missing appendage. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he does not have his appendage uh-huh. anymore, but like it's his hand, but it's also his penis. It's also his penis. You know? yeah. It's always his penis, yeah. Yeah. It is interesting because this is a myth that is arriving out of anxieties about teen sex. Yeah. Like, um, uh, I'm sure you know this. Like, the concept of the teenager is relatively mm, new. Very new. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like, came after World War I. Well, I thought it was even, like, later than that. Yeah. Well, no, because that's when we first started to have, like, flappers. Oh, yeah. Of young yeah, women, yeah. you know. And, like, the first time that youngsters had, like, free time to have fun. And also but, disposable income. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, like, when we first started having anxiety. But also we had a similar uptick in, like, anxiety about teens after world war ii because we had a similar thing where yeah. we had an economic uptick yeah and we had yeah and these teens who were working and weren't going to war so what were they doing with their yeah time? there are we got stricter on our child labor laws yeah and there's also yeah. like kind of a distrust between the teens and the adults oh because, a thousand percent because there was just a huge war yeah that the teens feel like the adults are responsible for right, and yeah. like so there's like some tensions there going into the 1950s which is also when teens were starting to buy their own cars and gaining cars, freedom from the home. Yeah, it's so, yeah. like the first time they were allowed to leave the home on yeah. their own, really. And just go wherever. wherever. And parents yeah. had no idea. Yeah, like maybe they're going to see a movie. Maybe they're going to the library to study. Maybe yeah. they're going to go make out a make out point. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. So the hard thing with like urban legends is that it's a very oral tradition which makes it even harder to pinpoint where they came from. Exactly. Their exact origin. Yeah, that's why I asked you and was like, nobody's writing this down. But yeah. we do have a Dear Abby letter from 1960. Oh, and it's my understanding that like those like columns, like that's also somewhere where we see these like, you know, mm-hmm. social anxieties and urban yeah. legends like being perpetrated in print. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so tell me. Yeah. Well, this is one. And it starts off with the writer being like, I don't know if it's true or not, but it doesn't matter because it served its purpose to me. And then she goes on to write about essentially the version that we talked about. That's the one that Ray tells in the movie Mm -hmm. where they get away and there's the hook hand on the car. And she ends the letter by being like, I don't think I'll ever park to make out as long as I live. I hope this does the same for other kids. Uh-huh. And so it's like very clearly meant as like this cautionary tale yep. about like, don't go out there necking. Yep. Don't go parking anywhere. Don't go parking. Yep. Because it's the story where like they're going to have sex and the hook handed man kind of saves them from having sex That's of true. doing that yeah. sinful act. Like it's because she's scared that they don't. And so it's like. Kind of our precursor to, like, the don't have sex rule of the slasher movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it really is, which is why it kind of comes up in a lot of things. Why this urban legend continues to be kind of popular, in a way. To the point where, have you ever seen the meme where it gets, like, boiled down to, like, door hook car, hand hook car, (laughs) or whatever it is. Where it's just, like, (laughs) the series of words. I didn't do it in the right order, but it's, like, a meme. (laughs) So then after that is when we start to get the versions that, like... Barry and Helen are talking about where there's either the dripping on the hood of the car yeah, yeah, or the yeah. scraping from the, the scraping, feet because yeah. you look outside and the boyfriend's been hung up from a tree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but you're right. I think most of the time the girlfriend gets away, except for there is one version that I hadn't heard before okay. where uh, her boyfriend's not coming back and she's like, where the fuck's my boyfriend? And she's staying in the car. Yeah. She looks over and she sees the hook handed man with the decapitated head of her <sighs> boyfriend yes. and also the keys to the car. Ooh. And that's where the story ends. And that's where the story ends. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, your imagination can do so much yeah. more heavy lifting than yeah. anybody's explanation of what happens yeah. next. Yeah. Um, I just want to end with this last point that actually um, 
was made in the podcast episodes I was talking American about. Mysteria. Yeah. yeah. That this is an interesting story because it's a story where the girl is right. Yeah. They're like, you'll get saved if you listen to women, which is like, oh, yeah, yeah. But then it's coming from this place of like women are socialized to think about safety more. Because the true. consequences of, like, Our sex yeah. or going out at night, yeah. like, those are placed on women. Yeah. And I just thought that was interesting in terms of this movie, right? Where it's, like, Julie often is the one who has, like, the right ideas about things. And then her boyfriend tells her that that sounds crazy. Yes. Or, like, Helen is, like, oh, they're killing him right now. And they're, like, she's hysterical. That is, like, kind of the same moral. And it's, like, the men kind of suffer consequences if they don't listen. Because, like, the boyfriend get decapitated in the story instead of going home is like the same thing as the cop getting killed because he didn't fucking listen to Helen. He didn't fucking believe. Yeah. But it's really coming from this place of men not having to worry about these things in the same way that women do. And not listening to women is to their detriment. Yeah. Yeah. But that only exists because we live in this like misogynistic society where women are placed in these sort of dangers more often. And then it becomes like the job of these teen girls (laughs) to warn people about these dangers. Yeah. That cop did suck, though. That cop fucking sucked. You know. Which is another aspect of both a slasher and a YA thriller. Oh, inept. Cops suck. In, inept law enforcement. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But yes, yeah. that was my literary corner. I love it. So urban legends are absolutely one of, like, the main driving themes in this movie, right? Yes. But there's a couple other themes. I think, like, you know, we've also, we've mentioned a lot already that, like, this movie or, like, the incident takes place in the summer between the end of high school and the beginning yes. of college. Or life after high school. Yeah. Right? Whatever that, that looks like. weird transition period. It is a weird transition period, right? Um, so there's definitely a lot of, like, coming of age and growing up stuff. Like, our story is about these young people, like, on the precipice of adulthood, mm-hmm. you know? And, and not really sure how to face it. They're bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, a loss of innocence. Yeah. Very quickly. And in this case, violently, you know? Right. Um, after what, I mean, you know, uh, Barry is, like, being super distracting and a total dick. But, like, it was an accident. Yeah. The, you know, what happened when they hit him with the car. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that mean, part was an accident, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and so, like... I feel like that's when they kind of get like pushed out of childhood mm-hmm. and like into adulthood, just like by fate. And then I think like, I think we kind of see each character try to like in their own way, cling on to childhood to like mm-hmm. not let go of it. Cause like they don't know how to adult, right. um, as, especially like in such like a severe instance, you know, like they cling on to childhood just by like refusing to take responsibility for what happened. Yeah. And their rationale is like really childish. Like they're afraid of getting in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> and like not taking into account that like somebody might be dead. They think he's dead. Right. And they're still just like, oh, I, I can't get into trouble. And like not even like go to prison forever. Like my dad will be mad at me yeah, or something like that. You response. Know? And then even yeah. after that, not really taking responsibility for their lives that come after where a lot of them just try to stay in their childhood homes, right, in their yeah. childhood towns. Yeah. They don't do their schoolwork or like, you know, they're just like stop sort of participating in their life. Stop taking responsibility for their own lives. Yeah. And like stop growing and changing like yeah. you're stuck there yeah and you know it i feel like this is sort of an allegory for like coming of age and growing up you know yeah. it's like it's hard it can be like uncomfortable you know yeah. like what you were saying about her first year at college i mean sometimes kids just get fucked up by the first year of college yeah they don't need like some sort of traumatic event yeah yeah, yeah. behind like, it the transition from high school to college is enough right? yeah you know? i cried every day in my closet come on in your closet <laughs> yeah i had a really big closet that Mills had nice closets. Yeah. Yes. So yes, I like yes. to just sort of hole up in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, especially like if a college is attached to moving away from home for the first yes. time. From leaving behind, like maybe you didn't love it, but at least you knew right. it was you comfortable. You were familiar with like your high school life. Yeah. Right? And also this idea of being sort of like a big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And then now you're the small fish. Yeah. And like, this is who I was in high school. I'm not in high school anymore. I'm not a high school. People don't fucking care. So who am I? Yeah. Like, who am I now? Right? Yeah. Like, who do I hope to be? The characters, what the experience, the summer between leaving high school and then like, you know, for a couple of them going to college, for a couple of them. Starting careers. Starting careers. Or yeah. at least working. Um, It's like, it's, that's an intense summer, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that was the first summer I worked at a Girl Scout camp. Huge mistake. I should <laughs> not have done that. I had so much, too much going on. Yeah, and then we even get that scene before it all goes down, like when when Helen's won her crown, I think, and like they're gonna they're toasting and like gonna you yeah. know Barry's gonna get wasted. Um, he says he, they toast to a final summer of immature adolescent decadence. Yeah, and they know exactly what they're doing, and they never get that. Yeah, they don't get that because like a few hours later, then this accident happens and they're and changed there goes forever. The decadence. You know? And it, it makes me think of like something really bittersweet about childhood and like adolescence and coming of age and becoming an adult is like you never know when the last time you do something is. Yeah. And then you think about, oh, yeah, I remember like, you know. I used to do that all the time. And I'm like, yeah, and then you stopped and you don't do it anymore. And you like, know, why? it's like because you just grew out of it. You're older or... now circumstances got in the way yeah. or whatever it was. I think we have already talked about the relationship between Julie and Ray, right? Mm-hmm. But like Helen and Barry, especially at the very beginning of this film also have like a really interesting relationship because yeah. Helen is talking with Barry at the beginning about like oh, yes. literally planning the rest of their lives. Yeah. She's like, I got it down. Like I'm going to be finishing up this season on Guiding Light. You're going to be the starting quarterback. For, she says the wrong team, but it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're going to impregnate me with one of three children before you go off to rehab. And I was like, damn, you've got I know. life She's planned. even scheduling in his rehab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> she knows that he's got a drinking problem. Um, or will probably develop one as he gets older. But of course, like, none of that, like, their life together is not going to happen, right? And it's, I mean, it's not just because they both end up dying. Right. It's just because, like, that's not gonna happen like yeah because you're fucking in high school yeah you're graduating you don't fucking know like yeah relationships change so rapidly like i mean because not every relationship is meant to last forever and that doesn't mean it's a bad relationship that's true yeah like and especially at this point in a person's life like relationships and like the nature of them are changing really rapidly and like people go their separate ways yeah yeah you become a different person and like that other person becomes a different person and And you you learn from these things and yeah And I do think it's interesting that they basically made these decisions to, like, not call the cops or whatever Mm -hmm. because they were afraid of it ruining these lives that they had set out from themselves. Right. But, like, when we see them, like we've already talked about, Julie's doing horribly. Mm -hmm. Helen's didn't make it in New York. You know, like, Barry did go to school, but he also doesn't seem like he's doing great. It sounds like. Oh, Barry? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, he's in school and, like, he's on the football team. But, But, like, like, what else is going on with him? He still seems like the same. He just still seems kind of stunted. Yeah. He seemed, especially, like, oh, my gosh, like, think about the person you were at the end of your senior year of high school and at the end of your first year of college. Yeah. Normally, that's a big growth period. It's a big growth period. And not for him. He seems stunted. I wonder if he is a lot like Julie, where, like, he's he's got these things and he's kind of just going Going through through the the motions. motions. Yeah. 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 And then we have Ray, who had these plans, maybe, but now he's like a fisherman. And he's, he's just like, whatever, town. I'll just be a fisherman. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like their lives did get ruined 
but not because they called the cops and like would their lives have been ruined in the same way if they had taken responsibility for what they did you know right and if I, their lives were going to be ruined anyway i think like what like let's talk about i know what you did last summer law yeah like the first initial part happened yes we know ray was driving the car but it wasn't his car and it was barry's car and barry wasn't driving because he's drunk yes and yeah he's underage drinking but like he's not driving and yes he was a distraction so like it was an accident you know like do not see them facing any criminal charges no especially like since they're all white and as they point out, except for Ray, yeah. they all can afford nice lawyers. They can afford nice lawyers. Like That doesn't make it the hardest for Ray because he was the one who was driving. He was driving, but like... But the only reason that that would be a problem yeah. would have been if he was drunk. But Barry was the only one... Well, I think Helen might have been a little drunk too. But like... But Ray was As far as we know, yeah, that's the why he's the one yeah. who's driving. It's because yeah. he's like their DD, you know? Yeah. And like, yeah, it was dark. It was late at night. This guy was crossing the road without, like, it was yeah. so clearly an accident. An accident, yeah. If they had called the cops, I think they, I mean, and like, I feel like maybe they could have been, like, sued for damages. Sure. That's often what I'm happens. I'm wondering if maybe Ray might get something like a year of probation. Yeah. Or, like, a shit ton of community service. Per, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, uh, Barry's going to be fine. I don't, yeah. I don't I, see jail time happening. Yeah, and like maybe also for like the girls. Oh, but like, honestly, I don't see anything happening. No, because to the girls. if it the stops girls are fine. there, they didn't, they were just witnesses. They didn't do anything. Yeah. But then it escalates and they keep going and then the girls then do have the some guilt. culpability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, which then makes but sense kids, because the girls are yeah. the ones who are like, nah, we should call the cops. But yeah, they are. And like, but the thing is, is like, they are not thinking with adult brains. No, they are thinking with kids. kid brains. They are thinking with yeah. kid brains. Yes. So I just think that really interesting. But I found really interesting about their guilt is actually their moments of like denial about it. Mm. Like mm-hmm. when Barry is getting attacked, it's like kind of one of his rare sort of honest moments where he's like, I'm sorry, we didn't mean it. Yeah. But it's it also just to save his own skin. Yeah. So it's right. like, does he actually feel guilt for this? Whereas, like, we know that Julie feels guilt. She's the only person who is very upfront about how right. she feels that she they feels did something really guilty wrong. about it, yeah. And she, like, kept track of the body, you know? And we also kind of learn later that Ray felt guilty and had that relationship with David's sister. And yeah. then Helen, though, Helen, once again, most interesting character, she keeps insisting it's an accident. And there's, like, this kind of co- cognitive dissonance that she has about it. Right. Where she even has this line where she's like, well, maybe he wanted to die. Maybe he was waiting for somebody to hit him. Because he was just, yeah. like, I mean, it's randomly a horrible crossing, theory. like, a, a freeway, like, a highway road. Yeah. Or a country road, at least. Yeah. yeah. And even us as viewers, since at that point, we still think it's David. Yeah. And we did get that early shot of some guy. Right, yeah. Looking like he's about to kill himself and jump off the... Yeah, something. Yeah. He looks really sad. Yeah. Anyway, so it's like, maybe. But Julie's just like okay girl whatever helps you sleep at night yeah <laughs> like it, it's almost like helen is like forgot about the second half of the yes. incident but then i think the moment where her um her guilt shines through is actually when she's telling the cop that like barry's just been murdered right yeah and she's like there's been a murder you're gonna rot in hell if you ignore it right and it's just like well that's what you did helen yes so I'm like, you are you talking Helen? to yourself? Yeah. yeah. Is that why you couldn't make it in New York? Because you didn't think you deserved it? Like, what is... Yeah. So her guilt is really interesting to uh-huh. me. And it's also just really funny in terms of their guilt. Like, okay, Helen has to go down, I guess, because she kept saying it was an accident. 
Barry really was the one who did it the most. Yeah, I guess he had he to go down. Definitely has the the most to but be guilty have, about. Yeah. yeah, Ray and Julie showing the most remorse and like reaching right. out to the family and stuff. So like they get to live. Yeah, but it's like they were still in the wrong. Like they still fucked up a lot. Yeah, it, I think it's really interesting. Like throughout that entire scene of when they hit the guy, yeah. to dumping him in the yeah. ocean and leaving, it's just like yeah, they really do a good job of balancing like. Like, it's not all Barry. Like, yeah. Helen did a little bit too, yeah. you know, and even Julie's yeah. a little bit complicit and, you know, what And happens. honestly, the most wild part to me is that, like, okay, they take care of the slasher killer. It's a year later. She's fine. She's totally fine now. Julie? Yeah. Yeah, like, she's great. That, she's on the that, dean's that, list. She's not traumatized at all. No, no, no. She's on the <laughs> no dean's list. No more guilt. It's like, you still did the thing that she's, you were feeling guilty about. She's back with her boyfriend, her yeah. high school boyfriend, and she's Like, you great. still did, just because that guy didn't actually end up dying? You left him for dead, which is the thing you felt bad about. Right. You did that. That's a thing you did. Yeah. Like, and like, sure, he came back to kill you. So I can understand not really feeling that remorse for him anymore. Right. But also this guy just tried to kill you and did kill your friend. So maybe yeah. I'm surprised that she is on the Dean's list is and, all I'm saying. And also like, again, like she has to live knowing that like she is or at least was the kind of person who would do that. Yes. You know? And then, like, maybe she rationalized it, like, well, I was in, like, I had social influence, you know, right. like, she was the one there. who, like, like, the whole time I was yeah. like, we shouldn't do this, we yeah. shouldn't do this. But she still let it happen. She yeah. didn't call, she didn't tell anybody. Right, yeah. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I think guilt is a really interesting thing. And, yeah. like, it's actually something that they talk about Lois Duncan, the writer, really doing is that um, a big theme for her writing is sort of like taking responsibility, how you take responsibility, mm-hmm. when you take responsibility. I like that. And I think that definitely shows up. I'm assuming that's a that's also the, from the novel. That's the kind of thing I want my my high school students to be consuming. So, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, I do absolutely see like the guilt and the blame. Yeah. Um, but I do have a lot of thoughts on the theme of like socioeconomic status. Yeah. Which we've talked quite a bit already. Yeah, mostly because I mean it's mostly to do with Ray. It, my favorite Ray. relevant line is Max saying to Ray. You almost got that rich boy to act down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay. Oh, God, Max. What yeah. a weird bully thing to say. I know, it's so weird. You're such weird. a weird bully. He's so weird. Um, uh, yeah, Ray absolutely does a lot of, like, the representing of, of the socioeconomic stuff. But also, I think just in general, like, the fish. Like, there's a significance yes. to fish in this movie. Obviously, like, the main one is that it represents, like, economic prosperity, right? Right. Because it's, like, obviously how this town probably mm-hmm. supports its economy. Yeah, it's such it's a, a fishing town. part of their parade. It's a fishing these, like, town. Yeah, fishes. Yeah. <laughs> fishing is obviously an occupation a lot of people have in yeah. this town. Um, but also, let's not forget that our, our bad guy, our psycho killer, is a fisherman. Yeah. So, like, he's also the figure that, like, enacts violence on these people who have, like, a higher socioeconomic status. Though it's also, interestingly, mm-hmm. on that subject, what Ray and also Max actually become after high school. Right, yeah. They both have to become those fishermen because they, Ray at least, was not a part of that higher socioeconomic class. He right. couldn't maintain and, it after high school. And, like, that's probably where a lot of the people in this town go work. Like, yeah. they leave high school, maybe have, like, a little summer, and then they just probably show up to wherever fishermen Their dad go. works. Yeah, like the dock, whatever, <laughs> yeah. and be like, cool, get me on a boat. And they're like, fuck yeah, we yeah. always need more hands. Get on this boat, right? Yeah. Um, so we do see the fishermen like as the figure enacting violence on like the people who have a higher socioeconomic status, but also people who 
are within the industry you know and like and ray and max are both like big red herrings in this movie yeah you know like maybe because they're fishermen maybe it's because ray is like gone for half of it yeah you know i mean and then there's also literally why barry accuses ray which is because he was always jealous of us or whatever it's this clear tension of like because you are more poor than we are yeah you have a reason to want us dead yeah which is like Okay, whatever. I mean, so kind of, <laughs> kind of. We we talk. So, but like, rich people kill more poor people. Is all I'm gonna say on that. <laughs> exactly, and we'll talk about that when we get to the perch. Um, <laughs> yes, perch. Uh, also, you know, so there's fish everywhere, right? And like fishermen, like that symbol is everywhere. But Missy, we see like the second time we go to Missy's house, we see her chopping up fish oh yeah because like so she's got the knife so she's looking yeah. a little menacing you know and it's so weird that like she's cutting up fish when like julie goes back to investigate and so it's like interesting like all i got is like why is this happening i presume she's cutting them up to eat them yeah I you know she's preparing she's it. preparing food i don't know eat. if she caught it herself or what or she bought it you know went into town and bought it because there's fish fucking everywhere yeah, and they you got know? a nice fresh fish so it's just interesting that like missy is the character we see like preparing fish and like actually working with the fish like yeah. that you know but yeah it also i feel like though plays into that sort of like domestic sphere of like the mm. men do the fishing catch the, women, the fish and then the, the yeah, women do the preparing the cooking exactly what my grandparents did my my, I mean, my grandma would fish too, but like my grandpa would catch the fish, and it was like my mom's, my grandma's job to like take off the scales and yeah. gut it, and and uh, I honestly like I do eat fish, but like I have no interest in gutting and cleaning a fish. Like that sounds I mean, awful. Does anybody? Does anybody enjoy that? I don't know. It's just like maybe you have to find joy in it. Cause, like for so many people, it's their livelihood. Right, They're yeah. just like get into it, man. You know, maybe over time it doesn't bother you as much. That's true. Um, I'm sure it wouldn't bother you. So we're used to it. I think what there is also here is like what you know what we're kind of teasing at is like there's this underlying mistrust of the working class absolutely just in yeah. general like we they see are the villain hey Ray ends up being a red herring mm-hmm. right because um, he's gone for most of the second half yeah. um, and like he has lost those connections to his higher class friends right he yeah. becomes a fisherman just like his dad was you know and yeah after Barry gets attacked the first time he does accuse Ray because he said he was attacked by a man in a slicker, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, Ray, don't you own a slicker? Barry, half the town oh, yes. owns a slicker. <laughs> That's what this town does. Yes. So it's just like, and then we even see them throughout the parade scene. Yes. Like, there are people in slickers and no one is worried about it. Yeah, so, because it's what people wear. So, yeah, this movie just has, like, a really weird, like, don't trust the working class yeah. vibe. <laughs> Um, and I just think it's really interesting. And maybe that, like, you know, ties back more into the YA thriller of it all. Yeah, maybe. Like, where, you know, there we, is some class anxiety there. Yeah. We, yeah, we like to see, or like, we like to see the, the people, like, on our screens or like, characters to be the in rich, our books. beautiful people. We, yeah, we want, like, their life to seem, like, exciting and, like, they do things that, yeah. like, normal, whatever. You and know, they like, need to have enough access to, like, you know, transportation so that they can go investigate clues and like right yeah you know and like nice outfits because we want to watch them in nice outfits and like (laughs) yeah no and I feel like where lower socioeconomic class people show up in these things is only as like a token love interest 
Right, yeah. Who might be one of the characters, but, like, stands out for that outsider status. Yeah, and, like, the outsider status, like, is specifically class. Yeah. So many times, because, like, they're usually the same race. Although I think, like, we're maybe doing a better job of we that. Are. I don't know. I'm actually not involved in the YA community, yeah. so you say yes, I believe I mean, you. Yeah. I mean, though, actually, The Black Queen is a book that came out, I think, last year, okay. which is about, like, this small town, mostly white, mm-hmm. and it's the first black girl to win homecoming queen but then there's a murder you know so like yeah there's definitely like some concerted efforts to add more like diversity and definitely like pretty little liars had their one token pretty little liar who was a girl of color the reboot i was gonna say had more people of color but i'm not sure if that's sure actually not sure about that (laughs) don't quote her okay but one of us is lying definitely has like Two of the main four. Oh yeah, are people of color. That's good. So like, yeah. and we're also getting like more queerness. Exactly. Yeah. Like, so YA is a great genre for queerness. Right. But exactly. Right. So like, that's nice that we're like kind of moving more towards that. But like, if we're looking at this movie in its time of 1997, like, what is going to set the outsider apart? We're not going to have a person it's of color. It's not going to be their race. It's not going to be their sexuality. No. We're so not like, talk about that. It's going to be like their socioeconomic yeah. or ability, maybe. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and those are still yeah. things that show up in the genre. Exactly. Um, so, Katie. I did a little bit of extra homework for this, and I watched the sequel. Okay. I've never seen it before. Uh, it's called I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Bad name. Um, bad name. And then I th- the third one in the trilogy is called I'll Always Know What You Did Last Summer. Also bad. It's too long. It's too long, which I know is it's like, it's from the novel title, but it's too long. And it's also like, it doesn't mean anything. Like, yeah, if you knew what I did last summer, then you're still going to know it. Yeah. yeah. And That's also, how knowing things works. Also, you last, didn't get amnesia. Last summer will become... A different summer. A different summer. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, immediately we get, like, the diversity. We get yeah. Brandy and Mackay Pfeiffer's character. Nice. Um, they do great. Uh, and, you know, uh, Brandy survives, actually. Good job, uh, Mackay, girl. Mackay Pfeiffer does die. Yeah. Um, and But unfortunately, like... They undo all of that with... Did you know Jack Black is in this movie? Whoa! He has, like, a little supporting role. Um, Jack Black's character... Because it takes place in the Bahamas. Oh! So Jack Black is, like, this white dude with, like, dreadlocks and, like, putting on, like, a Rasta thing. So there's that, which is like, oh, I don't love this for Jack Black. And I think, actually, Jack Black has, like, been pretty vocal about, like, yeah, that was a mistake. Like, that character was, like... Bad. Not a good idea. Also, one other thing that I really liked is Mackay Pfeiffer's character does die. And the very, very last thing he says before he gets hooked is Psycho Killer. Oh, nice. I like like that. I was like, "Mm, nice touch. Yes, well done. Um, Okay, are you ready to play archetypes? Yeah. I think we already have played archetypes. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, we can kind of rapid fire this. (laughs) However, I I do want to say, like, I really appreciate you, like, bringing the YA archetypes to me and, like, the, like, kind of bookworm person because, like, that's what I was thinking for Julie, I was like, she's like kind of this weird scholar virgin hybrid. Right. That's what and I And so now with. I have a word for it. Yeah, yeah. Especially since we have our four main teens. So we don't really have our five. Like right. I was thinking about who could be our five and it was like, honestly, is Max one of them? No, like, he's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, is like to me, if Max were one of them, I feel like he would be the virgin. Yeah. Uh, because, like, we have established that these that other two couples the, yeah. have already had sex. So, like, he would be the virgin, but he dies first. Yeah. And, like, that's not yeah. what a virgin so does. So it doesn't. So, Plus, he's just not really a part of it. No. So, like, to me, 
uh, like, okay, so this is the conclusion I came to. It's because you're right. We don't have five. We have four. Yeah. Um, and, like, I tried to think about a fifth, and I was like, no. I feel like, you know, this slasher isn't really a slasher. Turns out it's a YA thriller, yeah. right? It's not really a slasher. Like, there is no virgin. Like, yeah. there isn't one. So I just took virgin off yeah. off the board. I was like, no, that's not an option. Yeah. So then that gave me Julie as the scholar, because, like, she's obviously, yeah, like, she's they make the so many pants. references yeah. to her that's being That's, like, her only character. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, but she is, like, she does do virginal things. Like, if Virgin was still, like, on yeah. the board. She still has the v- most final girl vibes out of our choices. She absolutely has, like, the most final girl vibes. And honestly, at least in the, for a, a big chunks of the movie, she is also dressed quite modestly. Yeah. Especially where Sarah Michelle Gellar's character is, like, in a crop top and, yeah. like, short shorts, you yeah. know? Plus she has the darker hair. She does have the darker hair, exactly. I'm telling you. Oh my god, you. she also has this part that made me think of Scream. Oh yeah? Uh, where she's talking, to, I think she's talking to Ray about something, and then she like screams and runs off in the very Sydney way <laughs> from the first Scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also, Julie, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt does get some good screams in. Yeah, yeah, She yeah. does, she gets some good screams. Um, so yeah, Julie's like, Julie's the scholar. Yeah, obviously. she's our scholar. And like, she's the final girl, but like, like we mentioned earlier, like you said, which I really like, is like, her and Ray kind of split, split it. Final yeah, they girl split responsibilities. It. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm curious: Did you go for him as our athlete? No, Barry is the athlete. You kept with Barry as oh, the athlete. Oh, absolutely. See, yeah. I thought about that, but Ray just didn't feel like a fool. Whereas Barry has those fool archetypes of being the one who like overindulges. Sure, you know, with the drinking and stuff. Sure, but I just feel like you're you're right. But like, I just feel like. Barry is just such an athlete. He like, is such an athlete he, in so many ways. Like he does, like he is the first to act. Yeah, you know when like and he I, does yeah. use his body in those. And ways. I guess the ways that I'm seeing Ray as an athlete are actually the ways in which he is splitting that final girl duty. Oh, okay, yeah, you know, and because oh, he gets that final fight with the he does get the final fight, and also Barry is literally an athlete, right? I feel like. So yeah. it's like, okay, you know, that's an, that's all I need, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so yeah, to me, I guess Ray was the fool, but he's the one who like doesn't fit as well. No, I also considered Helen as our fool because she has the vibes of being the sort of like, mm-hmm. if you take a different side of fool of being the sort of like vapid socialite kind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And also the one who says things that are kind of on the nose, but doesn't even realize she's being on the nose when she's like. Like the line I was talking about where she's like, somebody was murdered and if you ignore it, oh, you're uh-huh. yeah. Like where she says things that are true without even realizing she says things that are true mm, or like, that we don't have foolish. that much power. Yeah. So I was like, she could be, but she also has the traditional archetypes of a whore. She really does. She's blonde, first of all. Yeah. Um, and she also is, queen. at least on the surface, like very concerned with her appearance, yeah. especially her hair. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think like she kind of has to be, you know? Yeah. Well, especially since like Ray's not the whore. So that does just kind of leave Ray to be the fool. Yeah. Is, but I was like, is he? I mean, I don't know. He's just kind of like, I, I feel like Ray's char- like Ray gives me like, oh, precious. You know, he's <laughs> yeah, like, like oh, oh, precious boy, you know. Um, and he does kind of end up going back into that like more working class, like physical job. Yeah. You know. Which to me is more athlete, but. That's true. Yeah, he does use his body a lot for work. No, no, no. That's true. I yeah. don't know. I mean, yeah, I think what it comes down to is that they're not. They're even harder than some of our other attempts to do the archetypes right. because this isn't a fucking slasher. It just and isn't. And there's not even five of them. Yeah. <laughs> and yet it fits so well with the sort of traditional YA thriller archetypes. So there it is. Yeah. Which is like just drive that home one more time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this has been 
Deep Thought Shallow Plots. Follow. We have an Instagram. Yeah. Follow, follow us, us on, on Instagram. Instagram at Deep Thought Shallow Plots. All one word, lowercase. Thanks as always to Sound Guy Matt. Thanks, Matt. Uh, join us next time. We're oh, gonna yeah. do our first non-English movie. Yeah. yeah we're gonna do uh, Ju On. The original yes. grudge in Japanese. Very excited. I'm probably going to be scared. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so don't forget to join us yes. then. Yes, and don't forget that we'll be switching to once oh, yeah. a month. And until next time, when you leave a man for dead, make sure he's really dead.